you know you want a trailer you should be watching love death and robots volume three did you yeah i did you the only reason i haven't watched it is just because it literally speaks to your cares it's and it's it's and it's an animated too much anthology series of with with sex uh, there's no sex it's love death and robots you always there's there's sex in there bro there's there's sex there's some um just the visuals on that one though is really dope and they get really cool filmmakers how how do you not watch you yell at me for not watching what if but this thing's been out here for years it's the what if had fucking awesome the mcu stamp on it bro Love, Death, and Robots is just a thing that exists and that has fallen so deeply into the Netflix algorithm that it just doesn't pop up for me to be like, all right, I'll watch that. Well, I mean, do do you even watch Netflix? Because I don't know. I mean, kind of. Like I said the other day, I flipped through Netflix and saw that Quentin Tarantino Django Django thing thinking it was like a behind the scenes look at the making of Django Unchained and instead it was like about the second best Italian Western director of all time. Yes. Sergio Marconi or something. Oh, not Leon. It was no, it's not Leone. It was Sergio. It's whoever is the guy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that uh, Rick Deckard goes and does the spaghetti Westerns for. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Carbucci. Sergio Carbucci. So did you not? Um, okay, so one of the f- cool episodes that they teased. Why the fuck is my? Don't spoil it. It's not a spoil. It's just it's telling you the the plot. But like for some damn reason, the link didn't click or whatever. Um, no, but like one of the in the trailers, it shows you like a little bit more about what each of the episodes are, and they're like, dude, you know what's super annoying is in group me, dude. In group me every single time you post a trailer, I have to actually like open the thing to tell what it is because for some reason it doesn't fucking want to show anything. And it's only when I'm on, I think the house Wi-Fi. I think if if there's somewhere maybe, but there's the the one that I wanted to point out, which I think is hilarious. Um, outside of the the one that David Fincher's directing, but there's uh Night of the Mini Dead, and it's a, an apocalypse conceived in a graveyard with uh it starts off with cemetery sex and accelerates into the walking dead evasion from everywhere and it it's just it's they're small people like it's small animateur i shouldn't say animateur but it's uh it just looks dope and hilarious and i think you would like the show I, uh, I really, reminds me a lot of yoga hosers and the bratsies guy oh, but dude, these are these are mini like they're little like it's yeah it's, the bratsies were like tiny little guys like the, borrower, like the borrowers you remember that movie the borrowers with john good Came out back in the nineties. No, if these people know what it is. Shout out, but these people. It, I'm just saying, like, I'm. I, I really enjoy that sh- that series. Uh, I might go back and watch volumes one and two. But like, you can just cram them out one night and not feel like you were doing something else that was stupid. I don't know. It's better than, dude. I had more joy watching that than watching the Avatar two trailer. The Avatar two trailer was just, you know. Got to see it in front of Doctor Strange too. Cool, but then they they really the incredibly pump. underwhelming. Even I, the music, yeah. as soon as it started, I'm like, oh, here we go, dude. Yeah, and it, it didn't it literally nothing for me. I know, and I don't like the Avatar, and I don't think that Avatar two should be made. 
I think it's like, I think, you know how they were in the 60s? There were a bunch of people that were like, why is NASA wasting all this money and all this government taxpayer money trying to go to the moon for no reason? I'm over here like, why are studios wasting all this fucking money trying to make another Avatar movie that, like, honestly, the uneducated film fans are going to be like, oh, Avatar 2, oh, my God, Avatar is my favorite movie, even though it's Dances with Wolves, only blue, or Pocahontas, but blue. Uh, So... I just don't I could not care less about this movie and I do not want to work it because I feel like it's going to bring out terrible people. It I don't think it's going to make I mean, obviously, you can't predict a film to with this box office accessory because like it could be all sorts of everywhere. And like how knowing this film for the longest time was number one of all time, it's going to come back out there so we can get the title again because they're just greedy. No, And I mean, so my yeah, my thing is like they're. Obviously, I don't think Avatar 2 can even come close to touching the box office total of the original Avatar because the original Avatar came out in a completely different time in history. It's like pre-Marvel. And it was, it <laughs> was it, right. It was pre, it was nearly pre-Marvel. I think Iron Man and Hulk was all we had. And to say that like this movie was only made as like a gimmick to utilize the 3D technology and try to insert that into the regular film going experience is completely accurate. It's not like they didn't make this movie because they had something poignant to say because it says the same. It has the same themes and lessons as Pocahontas dances with wolves or any environmental fern gully ass movie you've ever seen. So like, we're doing it again, but now we're going to be saving the oceans. I'm calling it now. It's going to be like, oh, we can't pollute the oceans is going to be the grand theme of Avatar 2 that took 14 fucking years to make. Like, I don't I don't care. Well, what's I funny don't. is like um, here we are a couple weeks away from Top Gun Maverick, and that's a sequel that's all, like it's always kind of like not even been in the works because Tom Cruise is like, you know, you have to find the story for it. And we're getting one 30 nearly 30 years later. And Avatar 2 is like, and people are excited for Maverick. That's the thing. People are excited about Maverick. And yet Avatar 2, you're kind of seeing like, well, it's been 13 years and we're supposed to get one. What was it every two years or every year? I can't, I can't even remember that. Oh, I know it's got to be every two years, but it's going to end up being every 35 years. We'll get a new Avatar movie. Avatar 2049. I can't wait. Dude. So think about this though. So Avatar, the original, is sitting at an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. And like, yeah, we're getting that new movie. Obviously, it's well-received. It's not like like people loved it and critics reviewed it and it was fine. I thought it was okay when I've seen it, but like what's what's created this hatred for me is how people put this up as a top-tier film in the history of film, and that's just factually incorrect. But if you look at Top Gun, the original Top Gun, can you guess what it might have on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, well, I know it's not critically. I, I want to say it's like a 60. It's and, Yeah, 57% mm-hmm. certified rotten and on then, Rotten Tomatoes. That's horse shit. And then let's see what. I'd watch Top watch. Gun seven 3. times. 3.3 is respectable. In here. seven days before ever watching. Uh, or seven day, I would every day for the rest of my life, I'd watch Top Gun before I ever watch Avatar again. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing that's really shocking, like I don't want to spend too much time on Avatar too. I think you and I both can agree on that one. But because we have to start the podcast at some point, 
<laughs> we know why people are here. Right. But there's a big film that came out this weekend, but th- you had a cast in Avatar, uh, especially um, Sam Worthington, but like he did nothing. Like, fuck it, what is, yeah, exactly. He did nothing this. prior. He did nothing after or before and, uh, or after. And it's like, what the fuck? And it this goes, is your guy. This is your like, what if they had like someone with an actual charismaticness or like, well, you were like, did, what if it, I, I'm trying to think of like of the era? You don't remember? Oh, who was supposed to be? No, Matt Damon turned it down. Oh, wow. Well, that's not who I would have wanted. Well, yeah, but he's gone on to say like, because he was supposed to. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, again, a percentage of the film gross rather than getting like the straight payday. Yeah. If, yeah, don't, don't fucking, correct me on it, but hey, like, Matt Damon, you fucking idiot. <laughs> You'd still be making money because they just keep putting this movie. It's like, that's so funny. Wow. Yeah. What an idiot, Matt Damon. You're an idiot. But let's yeah, let's let's start the show. I know we got to talk about America. Fuck. Yeah. Not yet. Speaking of Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, All right. Well, welcome back to the Sin Rivals podcast, Fos MCU edition, plus what we just ended up talking about right before I said this intro. I'm Brett. That's Brent. We are here. We have a lot to talk about. I might have to jump through the Internet and strangle my co-host at some point because I truly have no idea how this conversation is going to go. But this this is yeah, we've saved the both of these conversations we're about to have. We saved them from texting exchanges with one another so this this is going to be pretty uh firsthand of like our you know thoughts and opinions being shared across the multiverse we do we do got to be better about not having podcast caliber conversations off podcast but like i said it is going to be an mcu heavy episode we talked about this last week and to start that off we have wrapped up yet another MCU Disney Plus series number six to be exact. Moon Knight already. Oh my! Yeah, we've had six TV shows if you include What If. So okay, so within one year, we've had six. One well, a a year and a couple of months because WandaVision was January of last year. Wow! Like it doesn't make you feel like time is. They rolled them out, bro. Yeah. Well, and 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 we're. We're in a world where we're getting like three or four of the Marvel movies a year. So if they're just like and and you got to we were just through a pandemic where they were just probably stockpiling footage. And so they had all these shows that they could release back to back to back. I feel as we're coming to a close of all that pre-shot material, we will see a bigger gap between these Marvel series. But until then, dude, I'm so happy having like a Marvel show or a Star Wars show nearly every week to be excited about because I'm big nerd boy and I eat, sleep and breathe this dorky ass shit. You don't say. Yeah. But uh, what were your general thoughts about how Moon Knight decided to end their show? Because if I'm going to be totally honest, this show has stuck the landing so fucking hard that it is definitely I said it. Episode two of this show, bro. This is my favorite. And I think the best and well-constructed Marvel series we have so far. Well, first off, I'm going to send you this really cool poster that they just now released with the final episode being out and. Show you, show you that little. Switch. Is it the one with everyone on it? Like where it's like you get yeah, Jake and Steven and seen Mr. Knight and Moon Knight. Yeah, that's really dope. We're going to be using that one this week. But um, yeah, but yeah I, I see this. 
I certainly do think that uh, this is probably the second best finale that we've gotten. Uh, they certainly stuck stuck the landing in areas. Um, second best. So, are, dude, if you're if Loki is the best finale for you, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. You're telling me it didn't finalize anything. But exactly, exactly. It introduced you to the next big threat, and I don't want. I want to really. No, it did not. It's just like, oh, we're doing this shit over again. Do you? And now you. Don't, now we don't know you, forget, you. Did you forget Jonathan Majors as as, as Kane? Maybe yeah, but we're gonna see him in Quantum Mania before we see season two of Loki, and that that the he yeah, who remains and, really and the actual he who remains version is gone. You had an intent. You had the pre ultimate episode before that have that big fight, that big battle that was really cool. And the finale, like we were able to just have a conversation about all this craziness that is happening and explaining the multiverse in a different, in a new way, like just made it fucking fun. I don't, it's not a bad episode. It's a bad finale. No, no, no. Um, so like I said, uh, Moon Knight has the second best there is, and there's just, there's some gray in the episode. Uh, you kind of get that with, with, with the moon, the parts that I liked, Obviously, with 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 Oscar Isaac and, and Maya Kamala, they, they were really cool, especially getting to see the, the Scarlet Scarab. Like, I know they were leading up to it and that kind of someone kinda, did some research, giving us a tease on that one. But, dude, like, I, I mean, I've already been talking about like what she's done in this series and so far. But, like, I was just, it was really cool to see her and like the fights, scenes. Uh, some some of the dialogue was really like interesting how they, how they chose to go about it, but you know, whatever. Uh, I think, and also how it just kind of really concludes with with Oscar Isaac and that chapter, uh, supposedly with with Ethan Hawke's horror, like you you get a little bit of it. I know that whole blackout fight scene is going to lead people the wrong direction, but I it didn't bother me none because they were kind of teasing uh, with us that before, and like it, if it was something that wasn't shown, then you know, cool beans. Like I can see where your complaints are coming from, but in terms of character arc character development we got a lot of that throughout this season and throughout this episode and we got to learn more to what oscar isaac can bring to the character and that is very important and whereas it ends very just you know in in a more calmly manner uh, i think that's where we're going to get a season two and oh i i don't know that i totally agree um i just i saw the tweets out there where they were like uh congrats like it was like congrats on on the on the series finale and then they quickly, or there was, they said season and they quickly changed it back to series. It's like, well, we don't want people to know that series means end of series and season just means we'll get to season two. I mean, but not to give him a shout out, but didn't Chase say that like they submitted it as a limited series for the like Emmy Academy or whatever. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the last we see of Moon Knight, the character in the MCU, but I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a direct season two to this show, but Just I guarantee you we see the expansion of this character and what they teased in the end sequence in something. Well, and it's also, it's Oscar Isaac. Like, I feel like he, he doesn't really have too many, too many roles like or films, you know, like lined up at the moment. Where like, except can- for Dune 2. Are you sure about that, bud? I mean, I oh, is he dead? Yeah, he died in the first one. That's a <laughs> long movie. I die. That's something I haven't seen since theaters. <laughs> it's we haven't even. It hasn't even been a year. No, it's just um, long. I'm not gonna watch it again. 
But like, okay, hold on. I do want to take that back though, because he does have supposedly the Metal Gear Solid live action uh, video game adaptation. <laughs> And then he's supposedly in the just like the TV show they offer, they're doing the Francis and the Godfather um, film based around the same same plot with that one with Jake, oh yeah with Jake Gyllenhaal. I might add, hopefully that fucking stays in in the line. Um, but I mean, he he could have. I mean, you know, take the time. It seems like I mean, why sign up for it if you don't think you're not going to be back, especially a superhero like a villain? It makes sense, you know. Oh, I'm only going to be involved with it this much, you know, like a lower tier um tv show villain in a way but but like it's um I, the whole how it gets nominated that that's that the cat not the academy but like the TV, like all that is horseshit i've watched a lot of tv they bend the rules so many i mean hello we're talking about people not understanding that hamilton is not a uh movie it was a golden globes no, they did it. They did it in an, uh, in another award show too. Yeah, but it wasn't the Emmys. People break the rule; those rules. So, like, sure, I get that. that. I'm just of the mindset that we will probably not see a season two, and that this itself was its own self-contained story. But the MCU being as it is, and we talked about it last time, I very much think we're moving. Like, dude, shout out to that TikTok man I sent you, but. His theory for where the how the Midnight Suns could come together and like how they could explain all of that and also talk about here's I mean, I we got to get into spoilers at some point, but we finally see the third personality of Jake Lockley with their like in as Oscar Isaac. So he's now three characters and Jake Lockley also apparently are still has his agreement with Conchu. So he has the powers. He has the relationship even though Mark and Steven might not even know who this is. Well, they don't. I mean, we still see in the final episode that they cut to, they cut through a fight scene. Like they've been the entire show. One of the, my favorite stylistic things of this show, they do it again in this last episode and they both don't know who it was. So they make it known that Jake Lockley's ever present and in, in this world. And, and I just, I don't the the whole way that the, at the end of this show you're still not totally convinced what's real and what's not and what what which universe or mindset or idea we are living in is Mark slash Stephen just a guy with dissociative disorder who goes and sees Doctor Arthur Harrow or is everything we've seen with Conchu and the Moon Knight and the gods and literally giant Conchu versus giant Met Ahmet. Uh, Power Ranger style battle over the city of Cairo. Like, we don't know what's real. That's how the show ended. And I fucking love that because sometimes we don't need a cohesive answer always. Yeah. And I think one thing uh, to kind of, if we're going into that uh, world where we're not going to get a second season, this was a good just introduction to the character of uh, us getting like to, to know the footwork and how the, the this whole like multiple personality disorder kind of really affects with how Oscar Isaac can bring to the table oh, man. to have other um, villains, superheroes, anti all that in a different show. I mean, I've, this has been six episodes straight of us just bowing down to the greatness that is Oscar Isaac and his acting skill. But like, there's literally a line in this move in this, in this finale where he's like, Steven is the only real superpower I've had. And that moment felt so genuine and powerful. And like, 
actually did good for representation of people with dis- disassociative uh, identity disorder. So like literally, because literally we find out in episode five that Steven is Mark's trauma blocker, basically. And the moment they share in the sand after the in episode five, when they gave Steven the full bing bong treatment, are you kidding me? Like uh, their emotional connection is the best part of the show. Fuck, Like, I know how much you love Layla, but like, fuck her, dude. I just want to see the Mark and Steven uh, love fest over here. But yeah, I think what they've done for the character of Moon Knight, bringing it into the MCU, they did it perfectly because the MCU is wild and crazy. And yeah, now we have Egyptian gods that that are hidden in little statues that could be possessing humans as their avatars. We got um, the uh, the uh, um, the the field of reeds and the Egyptian underworld and that exists. And apparently she said it exists alongside with the ancestral plane of Black Panther. So they're not. And when we talk about Dr. Strange and Multiverse of Madness, the MCU is done being scared of the greater and weirder stuff that these comic book movies can have to offer. And that is what I'm most excited for going forward. And going forward, we can start no, talking about I don't know. Wait, 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 wait. You don't have anything else to say? I mean, I mean. We haven't even talked about, or I mean, in this specific episode, we haven't even talked about Ethan Hawke. And I feel like we can't he didn't really not have talk much. about Ethan Hawke. He didn't really have that much. Like, he maybe had like. You're kidding me. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> he had the fights, but he had the fight sequence when they were running up the pyramids and that fucking iconic shot. I'd put that shit on a cell phone as a background screen. That was an incredibly uh, set up shot, but it did, it did seem a little staged. But yeah, I mean, I guess he didn't have much to do, but we do see that like he ended up in the mental institution and also he's dead as fuck now. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's or is he again, or is he, or is he a doctor? And this is still inside the imagination of Mark slash Steven. Like we don't know. Or Jacob. Dun, dun, dun. Jake, we don't know. That's the thing. We have to find out. But th- I guess that can be it. I mean, yeah, we're basically every episode we're, we're just going out there creaming over fucking Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke and Camilla. We, we can uh, we can we can close the door mm-hmm. on yet another uh, fantastic Marvel TV show. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take before we get another one. Isn't it in the end of this month? Dude, you you know why I say that. I don't. <laughs> like, I'm like, did you forget about I, the one that's coming up? No, I just, I have no interest right now for Miss, Miss Marvel. Literally have to watch it if you're going to see the new Marvel, Miss Marvel, or Captain Marvel movie. I'm, I'm aware. Yes. Yes. Why? Uh, what, like, what has brought you to this opinion? Um, fatigue, weariness, worrisome. That's why do you have fatigue if you? I just I have to, I, I did watching the trailer, man. It just I, just nothing clicked for me. Nothing clicked. It's a coming of age story about a girl who wants to be a superhero. Hey, well, What's there geez, not to Christ, get? Make me sound like I'm a sexist. Um, I could have I'm said un- Indian girl. I'm unfamiliar. Muslim girl. I'm unfamiliar, obviously, with 
who she is. So I like I watched the first episode, but I'm not going to be like um the first episode. Do you mean the first trailer? Well, yeah, no, I'll watch the first episode. Oh, like, oh. we'll see where we get with it. But like, I'm not going to be just every week. Oh, I, I know I got to get to Miss Marvel on Tuesday afternoons like I was with the other, you know, shows. You fall. I mean, I won't fall behind like I have with other ones. I mean, you, you, you what you get like two, three weeks behind on these weekly episodes and it's not it's not cool. I might when when we get to the those it's episodes, not cool, uh, especially I, when you have a a podcast co-host that's going to be up at uh, two a.m. every night watching them and wanting to talk about them. I just do not want that life. <laughs> We're trying. You to- have a worse life. You're fucking. Uh, you have stocking shelves at four a.m. Damn, you hear that shit? Instead of watching cool TV shows, you have to like put beans on a shelf. We have to. We're trying to get me away from like being up that late. Like right now, yeah. it's. I mean, I get that it's eight thirty, but like, I feel like I've been awake for twenty hours because my sleep schedule is so I, stupid. Man, I mean, I kind of feel the same way, but I went to went to bed at four p.m. on a Saturday. Like, who the fuck does that? You constantly. I know. I just I like when I text you half the time. It's just you up. Like I'm trying to hit it. You up? You wanna? <laughs> now we can move on. Doctor Strange 2, a film that we've been waiting six and a half years for almost. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't think Doctor Strange was ever really one that I super needed a sequel to. Besides, And the sequel that I kind of wanted for the original Doctor Strange is very much not what we got with this movie because of the whole Baron Mordo thing. But I just wanted to see how his... With the repercussions of his decision to like steal all of the magic from the sorcerer. That's not what we're getting in this movie. Yeah, we'll get instead. We got a wacky, insanely violent, colorful. How could this possibly be PG 13 type movie directed by one of the greatest horror directors and comic book directors of all time, Sam Raimi? And I was thoroughly blown away by how much the MCU and Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige gave Sam Raimi uh, like the leash they gave him, like the long leash they gave him to make this movie so unabashedly his that it feels like we're getting movies inside the MCU. Now that we're doing all these sequels to films that, yeah, mind you, like the argument was for the longest time that Doctor Strange is just Iron Man with magic. Ant-Man is just Iron Man with a shrinking guy where they're always just facing off guys of like people of similar powers to like, and, and you get their origin story and their growth. And like, that's the cookie cover cutter Marvel formula. But we are so far past that now that like this, you couldn't possibly call this a cookie cutter sequel to any other Marvel movie we had. There is it maybe arguably not the strongest structure to the story, but the amount of stuff that's getting thrown at us and again, the stylistic choices that felt super not Marvel are what kept me so invested into this movie throughout all of the different jumps into the various different multiverses we had. Oh, so you mean the, the 20 second montage of just being thrown across different multiverses? That was fucking sick, but I'm also talking about the Earth 838 or the Sinister Universe oh, where they yeah, found the, that Doctor Strange. I, they the Earth they definitely so didn't give us just people dressed in hats and black suits. Cool. It, it, 
well, dude, Loki just had a girl version of Loki. Variances can be the smallest changes in the world or some very wide, drastic changes, like when we no, see when I'm they get saying, falling I'm, through I'm the paint world and the, the 60s movie world and whatever. That, that really cool, like, this is what New York is going to look like. Well, I mean, dude, that, that the other world was super wacky. They walked on red lights instead of green lights. That's fucking crazy, bro. I'm, I'm pretty, like I, like I said, it was about a you know 20 second scene where everything's really going through quickly but where they ended up was probably like you know borderline 18th on the place that i would want to have seen the, the world of you know the universe of i guess i can't say world or earth but like the universe of paint looked pretty fucking cool the one where there were there was i mean uh, dinosaurs cool um there hey, was but one, that's not gonna like progress the yeah, story at all just doing a random musical montage of them going to Ooh, the different like worlds. Said, though, like the it's a fucking Scooby-Doo movie, dude. Like they're just jumping through doors and they're changing outfits. That's not what we wanted. We got we got that in a short moment, but then we also got the story that we were given. And like, it would have story to, it's that hard to was. say all this without spoiling. Well, we can at least talk about the story before we get up to the spoilers. And just, I mean, we could obviously leave out the spoilers. For a minute, but get it's gonna get yeah, spoiler. But, I mean, but to kind of pick up, like in terms of uh, Doctor Strange, um, we we last saw him in No Way Home, and he, he was dealing with um, you know the repercussions from like how he was helping out Spider Man, but also you know just coming back from being snapped and like being adjusted to what happened in those five years and him missing out on. Christine Palmer, we get the return of Rachel McAdams, dude, just amazing. So I guess it goes to show you she was not part of the blip. Uh, so she, yeah, been around, which I thought was kind of neat to, you know, for her to not, um, because if it, because obviously, you know, if she, if she was a part of that, then her and Stephen can connect. But that's not what the Marvel wants to do for Strange. They want to really make his life pretty upsetting you know who you know who did blip is that asshole doctor from the first movie who looked incredible dude did you think he looked as much as like joaquin phoenix as i thought he looked like joaquin phoenix when he entered the frame if if jesse plemons is discount matt damon yes 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 is discount joaquin wow that is amazing i love it it was the like long stringy hair too it was just it was all there for me he looked yeah. like his character from Inherent Vice. He he's uh, I remember uh, to go along with um, the actor Steve, Michael Stolberg. Um, he had that run in like 2017 when the first. Oh, wait, is it Michael Stuhlbard? That's who Stuhlbard. it is. Yeah. He was in Shape of Water, Doctor Strange, Call Me By Your Name, Arrival, The Pose, uh, he, uh, Steve, Steve Jobs. Like he was in five, six movies within a two year span and like he was just popping off and it was yeah. really, really fun to see him. I mean, I, I, uh, there's a scene with him and a monologue that he gives and call me by your name. That is just probably one, one of the best, uh, in the last decade. Oh um, yeah. To- I totally agree. But he, no, but he, it's fun seeing him. Cause like, he's like, I lost my cats, uh, and, and my, brother. my brother, but like, but it, and I think what's important about that scene is he kind of highlights the whole, was there was this the only way you can do it which just really goes to bring us back to infinity where we're like dr strange he was able to basically see how every outcome came about in terms of defeating thanos and so like 
it takes you back even further to like and shows you the layers that Cumberbatch can bring to Strange on, you know, what the decision he had to make and like the sacrifice that everyone had to make. I mean, not just superheroes, but like everyone. Right. And here we are like this is it's it's unfortunate for the ones that did lose people in this world universe. I mean, and that but this sets up the perfect antithesis for our hero versus villain conflict in this show. Like, I think this is not or in, not in the show, in this movie. And I think this is not a spoiler because of how they've been marketing this movie. But like Wanda, her situation is she basically tried to do the same thing that Doctor Strange did, which was rewrite, like he uh, make a decision that impacted like millions of lives and deaths. But he gets celebrated and she does the same thing but is vilified for it with Westview. And that is why I think it's crazy like that. The double standards. The, exactly. That exist in just this world as they're setting it up. But Not this world, but actually. Also, right, in the world we yeah. live in. That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, but, dude, want, I, 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 don't, I feel like this is one of the places where we're going to end up disagreeing and it's going to make me a very sad boy. But I think Wanda is easily first, if not second best MCU villain for phase four. Uh, I do agree. Okay. She, but, good. Because they like, had, there's not been a, another villain that has as good character development going in because of the whole yes, WandaVision show and the fact it. that they completely and utterly make us feel for the reason why she's doing what she's doing in this movie, how she had everything she'd ever wanted ripped away from her multiple times. And she just wants to be with the people that she loves and she was going to do it by any means necessary. And she's just so far gone and corrupted by the dark hold that there's no going back for her now. And she's going to like make all these like very vicious choices going into this movie. Once we get into spoilers, but yeah, but- but exactly what Scarlet Witch, though, to to just to run on with that is like exactly you know she she lost her brother, she lost her country, she lost, she lost her vision, significant She's other, blind. <laughs> she lost her significant other. Her, if you know, for those who were lucky enough to watch the TV show WandaVision, she lost her imaginary kids, the um, kids that she created, because that makes sense. Um, but like, and it goes to show you in terms of like uh, hero villain and how we have gotten to know Wanda coming into this and the development we've worked, uh, we've seen like who's lost more. Like she's grieved so much and it, it makes sense to see how she, you know, lashes out the way she did and want that towards the end of WandaVision and, and how she's lashed out in this film. And we will obviously be getting to the point where we're on opposite sides on this. Um, but Elizabeth Olsen is, I mean, I'm glad to see her get like, the chance to really show her acting chops. Um, mm-hmm. She, uh, it's fantastic. Like I know when she was cast as Scarlet Witch, like you know, uh, Wanda, like not many people were yeah. aware of her, but she's done really great work in indie films. And um, but dude, but also in all of her MCU performances, this character of yeah. Wanda Maximoff has gotten an incredible amount of development from her tragic upbringing as like an orphan in a like Western Europe country that is just fighting the establishment because of how she has been uh, like felt like how the repercussions of war has affected her and her family to joining a basically Nazi syndicate and, and doing experimental testing that turns her into a fucking witch. Then you have her being 
talked into being like a full he like like hero turn by Hawkeye and now she's an Avenger but even as an Avenger she is so powerful and so out of control with her powers like she in Civil War she kills the people in Lagos and you just keep hitting all these different beats and learning these new things she falls in love with Vision someone that she can relate with because of the questions of their powers both of them they don't know anything about where they've come from and now we're here She's lost literally everything throughout uh, the span of whatever five, six movies we've seen her. And she is ready to kick ass and take names. And that is exactly what she did. Uh, very helpful. She killed so many wizards. She killed that one wizard that I think we were supposed to know who she was because she was like someone special to Wong and made that sacrifice by stabbing the Darkhold. But I was like, oh, I don't know who this lady is. So, yeah, that's weird. Um, I think something got know. cut there. It's funny how you mentioned um, Hawkeye because it was not teased, but it was just very relevant. Like in the last couple of Avenger films, that them their two relationship was getting really close, um, not like more more platonic in a way, but like like a, yeah, it was it a just, fathery daughtery thing, yeah, more just, than like a romantic like, thing. I don't know if there were rewrites or something that happened, like contracts or whatever, but just completely forgotten about now. Like it, it, like not even brought up. Um, at all well then no they brought him up they did they said so, no they said something about when they were walking in the apple trees he hmm. was like something about the guy with the mohawk and the arrow well it, that was him i thought that was dr strange talking about how he couldn't like he couldn't work with them or something like that right they no that's not who that he was going to call for this certain situation but like i mean yeah. they still that doesn't acknowledge him well i'm referring to this friendship but yeah um so between uh so that's the thing though is like with strange and wanda like we're given to you know at the, you know heroes and we've come to the point where like they're they're sh- getting um with this dark hold becoming a central character uh given it's like uh, i guess evilness but the film really picks up the pace once we get to discover that the whole apple scene it's not the apple scene. It's just, you know, where we last saw Wanda at the end of her t- the television show. But that also means at the end of WandaVision, she was projecting those mountains as well because she was fully in the dark hold when we see her in that scene. So that's crazy. And she had- that was awesome. Dude, all the all of the work when it comes to the visual effects and the magic and the like the like super spells and whatnot. That was so perfect. So amazing because yeah, you got your sparkle fingers that they were doing all over in uh, No Way Home and in Doctor Strange, and they were making their sparkly ropes. These had like real interesting stylistic choices for their use of magic, and I really appreciated that. No, the yeah, the the whole like the redness to her character was that's more, yeah, more yeah, to dude. to this film, and I mean, I who doesn't like you know that red filter applied to, to cinema. Dude. It adds a, it adds a tone uh, and a feeling like obviously fear comes straight into mind when you're messing with that. And Anger, exactly, rage. Yeah. yeah. Exactly who Wanda is that we're learning from here. And then this is the moment where, uh, so we guess we could have, I mean, just slightly center around the plot without going into spoilers. Um, right. We've, have, we've failed to mention uh, that like Dr. Strange is also busy protecting this girl that leaped into the universe named America Chavez, who has the power to like punch holes in the multiverse and like leap from one to the other. 
but she can't really control it. And she is being hunted by Wanda because she wants that multiversal jumping power from America Chavez so that she can go just insert herself in a different universe and be with her children. I mean, that's so fucking crazy to me. She's like, I'll take one life so that I can be with my just be happy. And that's the whole that's the theme I was pulling from the movie. The the most is the search for happiness. America's looking for her family and earn her place in the world and trying to be happy. Dr. Strange is questioning whether or not he's happy in his life without Christine with the magical arts. And then Wanda, who is just in this like desperate dis- like mission for happiness for the people that she loves, like all these different levels. And like, we only get to see some of them succeed in that situation, but that's it's I think it's a good overarching theme for this movie that permeates throughout Uh, really circling the wagon around just spoilers. It's so hard. But what what's what's interesting, though, with with America Chavez is like she was supposedly supposed to be introduced in No Way Home. But it's weird how if that was a case yet, this movie was still supposed to come out before No Way Home. I just trying to like wrap my head around like all, all that logical sense. Cause it just doesn't make the it. pandemic and everything, man, that well, re- I no, think it's, no, I think no, it, not just the pandemic, the story. Cause if she was supposed to be introduced in no way home, but this was supposed to come out before no way home. How is but she- what I'm saying is I think the pro what is, what is the problem is the pandemic in the last two years of how films are being made and what they can do and regulations about how many people can be on crew and wearing masks and all of that that has led to all of these shifting dates for not just these marvel movies but every single movie in general the the problem the problem is the marvel movies lived lived off of their incredible structure and how every movie was perfectly placed on their release date in the order they were because that's how they could get the story to unfold in a perfect manner where we are now where these movies were in this order one year and then now they're in this order and this movie's before this movie and this show's before this show. It's hard to retroactively make that story work when you're shifting everything around. And I think that's hurting it in the long run. But once we get to spoilers, I think I still see the projection of where these movies are going, (laughs) at least after this movie. I I hope someone does. Uh, Yeah. So then, so yeah, so you get, um, like we're saying with America Chavez, she can basically t- open up other universes, and that's how America. And that's how Fuck yeah. we're introduced to her like really quickly. Um, and that leads us to like Doctor Strange and them in this new place, and that's trying to figure out how to get out. And the best way to do that is, oh, if I just find myself here in this world, then I can hopefully get the answers to that. Why you? Oh, look- you're talking when they hop all the way to the eight three eight, like in the middle. Yeah, and okay. the, that's like a good, obviously, part because after that, it's basically it's spoilers, you know, from here on out because you can't. Right. Yeah, and and I just want to like say one of the issues that I kind of had with the film was just the editing because when we're shown Doctor Strange and like, the, you know, because you're basically seeing two different characters and they're each having their own film, their own collision course with one another. Every time, like, I'm really getting interested in, like, what's going on with Dr. Strange, we get, we boom, we're getting cut, we're going to Wanda. And then as Wanda's part gets interesting, we cut and we're going to Dr. Strange. Huh. And I wasn't expecting, like, I knew going into the film 
we're going to get these two characters into it, but I wasn't expecting them to split so much screen time where it was kind of hard for them to just get a lot of material in few like moments before getting to the other person. Because if you go too far without having one of them, you might lose balance in a way because then they have to come and meet in that middle part, which is where we get to the spoilers. If this is starting to make sense to you. Well, so then, well, then this are automatic. This is your big major problem with the film. This is what you've been wanting to talk Uh, about, right? It's not my big major problem, but if you want me to say my big yeah. major problem. Not yet, because I think with this issue, I have a I have a glaring question, because how do you feel about Infinity War that literally does the same thing with three different storylines? Because you have Iron well, Man and Spider-Man and the Guardian. Yeah. You have Captain America and Wakanda and you have Thor, Rocket and Groot. And it's doing the same thing. It's just, yeah, these two characters are in two different locations. But while Wanda's off in the mountains, doing her witchy thing she's also inside the same universe trying to link back up i know they're cutting back and forth between the two different stories but like in a movie where there are multiple people in multiple universes how else are you going to do that like you got to make sure that the the audience knows what's happening with all the characters and like maybe it did feel a little bit quick going back and forth but i i don't know that that never even crossed my mind as an issue in Infinity War, we're introduced with that with characters that we have a longer history with. A more, That's arguable, super more, arguable. Because you're uh, saying because yeah, some really? of the characters, Doctor Strange America. and Wanda, are characters in that movie. So we've been dealing with those same characters in that same movie even longer now. Um, so better characters, longer history with them. I, I find the actors a little bit more enjoyable. That's the arguable. Stakes are, the stakes are a lot higher. Okay, but I, that's what I'm saying. You're, but you're, you don't care about how that editing style is. It's not. That's not a standard problem. For some reason, that issue I only. It. I don't feel it. And this one, that's I just weird. That's because it, it happens mm. so quickly in this. It's like mm. five minutes Wanda, five minutes Doctor Strange, five minutes Wanda, five minutes Doctor Strange. When the other and one, but they're <laughs> also together a lot. Them two. Yeah, I'm. I know. I feel like I know exactly. It's when Doctor Strange is off on a different multiverse that it feels like it's cutting back and forth the most because it's going back and forth from the mountains to the Illuminati to the mountains to the Illuminati. Oh, and speaking of, you know, mountains to Illuminati or whatever, but like if you're the Social Supreme, uh, no offense to, you know, the lovely Juan here, but like he folds quick and given up. He's using, dude, Agatha Harkness literally says in WandaVision, that the powers mm. of the Scarlet the TV Witch show that you're supposed to have prior knowledge before this movie. Got it. Okay. I'm just going to write that in my Oh, notes. yeah, because that's not a thing, mister. I Now I have to watch Serenity this week. Like, w- that's never been a thing. Uh, last I checked, uh, Kevin Feige said that you weren't going to have to have to do that. So. You don't have to, but the way they establish the Scarlet Witch is she is incredibly powerful and can be very much power more powerful than the Sorcerer <laughs> Supreme. As specifically stated in WandaVision. And I think they do do that. Wong could have given a really good sacrifice. He could have just, just, it could have been a really interesting scene there where he just, I'm not going to give it to you. And then boom, Wanda's fucked. What? (laughs) You, how is Wanda fucked in that situation? Wong is fucked. She, he says no, he dies. Yeah. Because I thought the Sports Supreme was supposed to guard evil from taking over the whatever. But remember, Wanda says or Wong says, you can take my life. And she she's like, no, I'll take all of theirs and threatens right. all of his students. Yeah. So he did it to save the lives of the people that he cares about. 
but this but this that she still gets to uh him being left because they're actually i mean she was messing with with the souls more than the people because they're already dead if i'm not mistaken right but but they no, there were like a few survivors that she was like literally lifting and choking and in, in the air but it, it i just correct me if i'm wrong but i thought if you're the sorcerer supreme you're supposed to stand guard and make sure no evil threats that's why Dr. right so if he's sacrificing himself there's no one to protect the rest of the world from the magical like she issues that found, she wanted they're to defending about, about. The dark hole. that's what i'm saying she, she just wanted, wanted to, yeah she just wanted to know where this place was and because he's the sorcerer supreme he knew so she but, needed him but i'm saying he didn't have to give her the location i'm just and if he didn't they he was gonna kill all the other students Okay, but she wouldn't have gotten the dark hold, the new book. No, she probably would have still eventually got the dark hold, bro. I, I that what would that have been two more movies, maybe possibly? Mine would have had better editing. That's a terrible argument. No, we're not really. If you're the sorcerer supreme and you're supposed to guard the the I guess it's called realms. I don't want to go into Mortal Kombat territory here, but like I thought that was one of the things that the ancient one was always telling Dr. Strange, like during the, his training and whatnot. And then how do you proceed the story then, Brent? If you're, this is such an issue for you. How do you go about continuing the story after the moment where she kills Wong? I just, I thought it was really interesting for him to hold the title. And then he doesn't, uh, it stays on to him. Like he doesn't lose it. You're saying that because he made one decision, he shouldn't be the Sorcerer Supreme at the end of the movie. Yes. We know why. Who fucking cares? We know why he has it, though. I mean, Doctor Strange should have gotten it when he came back. But... Well, Doctor Strange has been corrupted by the the uh, Darkhold in the other universe. So maybe he was like actively like, no. And, well, and Wong because now Wong. knowing what happened to the other universe, Doctor Strange, maybe was like, I do not want to be the Sorcerer Supreme. We can we can move on, but I had fun there. That's fine. Yeah, this, we spend way too much on time on this one goddamn Wong moment in the Dude, Doctor Strange it, movie. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's a bad moment to focus in on. The, you know what the moment I couldn't stop thinking about was? How fucking cool the Illuminati scene ended up being, even though I knew oh. and got oh, yeah, spoiled yeah, about you like nearly about all of the uh, reveals by the trailer, except for a couple that actually did end up blowing my mind. You, uh, you wanted to talk about that one? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, well, Why do you have a problem with that scene as well? Yes, I do. Let's hear it. Is this your big glaring problem, not the editing? Uh, it, yeah, it's probably like number okay. three or four on my bullet points. But yeah, uh, like, like you said, um, this was the thing that was spoiled on the internet, which is just like, if you're that, which I'm sorry that happened to you, but I feel like you'd feel a little differently if maybe you didn't get spoiled. Wait, like how am I like the scene? I get maybe. No, 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 no. You just will never no, know I, how you would receive no, it. I love, I love the casting and even still seeing it, man, I got goosebumps. And that's the other issue I was telling you about was the, I, and the, the whole way the editing was going about, like every time we got getting closer to seeing the Illuminati, we cut to, WandaVision, and since I knew who the, who the Illuminati was, I was like, what the fuck, bro? What the fuck, bro? That's what I'm saying. That is the um, one That is the one scene where they're hardcore cutting the most between and, the two different storylines, and, and it's it, like, it, that's, but that's only where it is, and like, it, yeah, it's kind of frustrating when I want, I, I understand that. I can agree with it, that, that it was pretty it, frustrating when I know what's coming it, in this next scene, but I can't get to it because it keeps cutting back and forth. That is a little bit distracting, but I don't think takes away from the overall film. 
I didn't say that took away from the overall film. Uh, the it was when Rachel McAdams, when her character drops the name, the Baxter building, like that was like the first, like, Oh shit, we're in this, we're in this, we're getting close. But yeah, it was, it was basically shown online. Um, the fight sequence that we're about to get, but we're introduced, uh, like the, I guess the last t- t- TV spot. Cause the, you know, they just have to spoil it, but there's Mordo, which, I mean, we could get into him, but he takes Dr. Strange to Illuminati, which is a group of what, six or seven, it's it's usually powerful. it's usually six of the most powerful Marvel heroes that also are the leaders and representatives of the bigger group of super powered individuals in the Marvel universe. So like basically Iron Man's leader of the Avengers, Doctor Strange is the the, the protector of the mystic arts, Namor is the king of Atlantis, uh the Professor X is the leader of the X-Men. Been cool to see that guy. We did get to see that guy, and we got to okay. see that guy as the 90s version of X-Men, literally, which I will get into. With... Oh, Namor? Namor's coming, dude. I got to imagine. And I really think, actually, Namor's appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been delayed because of what was going on, what happened with Chadwick Boseman. I really think we were uh, gearing up for a Wakanda versus Atlantis movie because that's a huge comic uh, rivalry is Black Panther and Namor. Um, Black Panther was another part. No, he actually was not. Black Panther was wise enough to deny being in the Illuminati because high key, the Illuminati fucking sucks in the comics. They make bad decisions all the time. Oh, so They're just the like ones the movie. That, oh, so then I guess yeah, it, it's the most accurate. Sense. It, it is. It sense. is oh, wow. accurate oh, that the Illuminati is a bad idea. The comic book Illuminati sends the Hulk off to Sakaar and starts tri- and triggers the Planet Hulk storyline, which then leads to the World War Hulk storyline where Hulk kills the Illuminati, takes over the world and like becomes the ruler of all of Earth. Uh, so that they just don't make good decisions. Um but like, but we don't get something to that extent in this movie. But what we do get is fucking fantastic pun, hundred percent intended, because we have now confirmed Mister Fantastic in the MCU to be the ever so sought after fan casting of Jim Halpert himself, John Krasinski, yeah. and I myself in my theater by myself leaped out of my seat i was kicking my legs higher than my head dude i was so fucking pumped and i swear to god marvel if this casting doesn't stick for the actual movie which i believe that john watts has left the movie project so that john krasinski can now come on and direct and star in that movie uh i i it's literally i think it it's way up on my uh most anticipated marvel movies list now because like yeah i wanted the fantastic four to be redone and fourth times the charm obviously so i cannot wait for that movie but we got him we well, got i mean like i mean add on to him while we're oh yeah okay we'll go character by character fair yeah um so we'll go across the chairs we'll go down the line for <laughs> across the zoom of so i mean john krasinski like he's been the most i mean in terms of fan casting like Every time you try to cast Captain or the Mr. Fantastic, it's like instantly, okay, well, John Krasinski is 1A, so let's go down to 2B. Like, there's no 
anyone else uh, other than that. And like, he hasn't been involved in any superheroes. So there like, were, that's what there he was were already people on TikTok complaining about how he portrayed Reed Richards. He I, got two I fucking that. minutes. I heard he got two goddamn minutes of screen time. So really cool your goddamn jets on that. People. But, and they but, were yeah, like, it, well, we wanted the guy. We wanted the guy from the one, the other movies. What's his name? Oh, Ian Gondoff. Yeah. Why the fuck would we want to see that guy? Something like that. Um, well, to go into like, yeah, is he going to be confirmed? This could also just be the situation where he's a variant. And like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Did. That's why there's that nerve. I think Kevin Feige is cool. This is a troll job by him. And he's going to be like, stop casting people in my fucking movies. And no, I think if that was the case, then Tom Cruise would have been into the movie. Well, and they would have done the, the superior Iron Man thing that everyone wanted to well, see. Oh, okay. If we're comparing weight between Kazanski as Mr. Fan, uh, Mr. Fantastic or Tom Cruise as Iron Man, I think Kazanski outweighs that. The only reason why Tom Cruise was like that was because he was just almost supposed to play him back when Iron Man came out like, oh, wait. Right. You haven't heard anything since then about that. Like, never brought up again. And then finally, when you're making – the whole multiverse movie. That's when I know, but that's what I'm saying. Up. And that's it, one of the been considered as Mr. Fantastic since the last one fucking failed. Yeah. No, Marvel I told you, I know this. Thing. I know this. It would suck. I'm just saying like, yeah, dude, the Marvel fans have been, been doing this for too many years with WandaVision uh, and, and now this, and like a lot of the other movies, it's like oh, it's they done. let their, they let their expectations and their predictions and what they want to see overshadow what they're seeing on the screen and then let that taint their review and how they feel about the content that they are actually given. And that's not fair to the movie. Cause like Kevin Feige was never going to get Tom Cruise to agree to be in this movie. Tom Cruise is crazy and he does his own thing. He has his own movie sets that he's dealing with. He's super busy with Top Gun Maverick and uh, Mission Impossible. So Mission like it was not a realistic thing, but the fans are now mad about it. That's fucking stupid. Well, wait, they're mad about the cast. They're mad about the lack of people they saw as cameos, including Tom Cruise's Iron Man or that other guy is the Fantastic Four or like Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. It's like these are unrealistic things. And you're actually saying that this movie is bad because of them not showing up in the movie. That's dumb. So we can name off all of them before I go into like what I thought about the scene as a whole. Sure. Okay. But yeah, we go because like we also not only get finally the reveal of uh, Mr. Fantastic, we also see Maria Rambo played by uh, uh, do you have her name readily available? Because it's Lashana something. Yes, Lashana Lashana Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, she's from Captain Marvel, but more people and from No Time to Die. But more, yeah, I was gonna say more people probably recognize her now from No Time to Die. So uh, she was Captain Marvel's friend in her movie. And obviously in this variant universe in the A38, she was the one that got the celestial powers from the Tesseract. She's so she's the version of Captain Marvel. That was a very cool replacement because we we did get like a nearly exactly comic accurate uh, Illuminati, except for Iron Man and Namor. We're replacing her with them with Captain Marvel and then Peggy Carter as Captain Carter from the What If series. Who, goddamn, she's so fucking hot, dude. I always thought she was under, like, high key underrated as the most attractive woman in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Haley Atwell. And seeing her in the uniform and being badass was like such a treat in live action. And I, I am very happy to see her get her due diligence after her failed TV show or whatever. 
Uh, so that was great. What did you think about her? Because uh, you I, just watched the What If episode. Yeah, and and I thought the What If episode was kind of neat. Uh, but seeing her, it was it was dope. I wasn't expecting it. Um, kind of wish um, she definitely seemed the bulk for the part. You know, like she, she definitely carried the the mantle to say at least the shield. Yeah, like, it was really dope to see that. They, they, I mean, out of everyone, and if you want to measure out the screen time between all of them, I feel like she got the fewest. She, I think she also got the least amount of lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I think there's probably some stuff on the cutting room floor of her. And then there was also... Oh, no, there also, actually is stuff on the cutting room floor of her. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know what I was saying. Uh, and then also on the on the squad, you got Baron Mordo, who is basically sitting in for Doctor Strange, who we learn in this universe they had to kill <laughs> because he was corrupted by the Darkhold, bro. What do you, what was they, that? They, they did say they killed them. Yeah, Mordo. You see how what you you said, Doctor Strange, right? I'm saying they had to kill Doctor Strange, so Mordo has now okay, taken okay. the seat of Doctor Strange on the Illuminati as the current Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> So since we're on Mordo, uh, I okay. was very. I thought you said high. I was high key disappointed. I beyond disappointed because again we're left on this continuation of unknown whereabouts about this guy who, like you're just saying at the start of it, trying to collect all these powers. And for an actor at the level of, of with Chitwar, like what the fuck? Like we're just gonna keep waiting, keep waiting. And the trailer and dude, even the end credit scene for this movie leads me to believe that like Mordo in the like main standard universe is just like not even going to be a thing. I, I wonder if it, yeah, I wonder if he's just written off. I wonder if he might have been involved in the, the, the blip and just not coming back. But they really like in the trailers. I was so excited to see like. Oh wow! Like he has a new look. He's gonna come out there. He's gonna have a new, you know, agenda. They, and they even make a reference. They like Doctor Strange says he, yes. like th- this dude's been trying to kill me. And it's like when, when has he been trying to kill you? You were sand for five years. Yeah, and, and if, then you just the got back. Doctor Strange, he helped you out. Like you had, technically speaking, he does not. He's not aware that he's evil. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, we, no, I, but he knows that, as far as we knew, as far as we knew going into this movie, but now canonically, we know that like strange does know of the goings on of Baron Mordo in his universe. It's it's just, that was one of the things I was like, but like, where about. is that? We didn't get to see that. Like that could have been the whole sequel to Dr. Strange. And instead we got this, which I'm not complaining about because obviously I really like the movie, but it's Period. super disappointing and especially, like you said, for an actor of the caliber of Chiwetel Ejiofor to get kind of shafted out of his like villain arc that they perfectly set up. Baron Mordo is the number one Doctor Strange villain, probably maybe next to Dormammu. And so to just completely ignore that would be a damn shame. It's it's just once again, like it was criminally talked about with the first film about the underuse of all the actors that they have in that one. And here we are again. They're, they're- kind of getting close to it and think about this man this is one of the shorter mcu movies two hours like 206 or something coming in as a runtime it's where was that extra that extra 20 minutes could have been like the 616 mordo and us learning about what he's doing and maybe he's literally following dr strange through the multiverse trying to hunt him down 
during the the this whole th- ordeal or it's or wanda approaches him and kills him off to get to the witch to get to the new something like that i mean yeah i get i that is that is definitely so like i said when i first watched it i was telling you i was like between four and a half and four stars the mordo thing and the general story structure issues that i have those are the only two reasons why i could not give it that full four and a half stars oh i'm so sorry to hear that yeah i know it's such a such a harsh reviewer over here Oh, yeah, I'll critique it when we get closer to my... Anyways, down to the end of the Illuminati uh, throne room. I know this... Well, there's six. We've gotten through four because this... And this one's going to be quick because we barely see him and I can't believe we actually saw this person in the MCU once again after the atrocity of this project that he was in originally because Anson Mount is back as Blackagar Boltagon in costume and who the hell thought we would ever see not only black bolt or an inhuman ever again after how terrible their show was but specifically the same actor playing that character that was honestly a bigger surprise than the reed richards thing for me i was like there why the fuck who would have thought we would get this character and he has the little wings thing and they even make fun of his fork on his head and i found that like super entertaining and We'll get into how they all die, but like they, the way he dies is fucking insane. Had my mind, had mine and his mind blown, truly. Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, been a pretty big fan of him since I kind of started watching the Hell on Wheels show that he did. He's he's also on like a Star Trek thing he's, now, he's isn't now, he? Now, yeah, he's definitely now getting famous playing the new Christian. Pike. He's like the it's isn't he playing the character of Bruce Greenwood from the movies, uh, uh, Pike? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, I have never seen any of that, but I mean, like all I really know of him is Black Bolt and he was definitely not my least favorite part of that show, but that show is just so fucking rough to watch. Like you were, you earlier today were bitching at me about Asians of S.H.I.E.L.D. Dude, fucking sit down and watch the Inhumans and then we can talk. <laughs> did you? Uh, I remember they did the first two episodes and I did that. It was not good. I went and saw the IMAX thing and I was like, fuck this, but I'm a diehard. So I'm watching it. And every episode I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. But yeah. And then, you know, last but not least. Yeah. We fucking Patrick Stewart's back, baby. You can't kill this Professor X, bro. No matter how many times you can kill. No, dude. We've seen him die so many times and he just comes right back. And it's sad every time. But specifically with this time, dude, it, there is something special with this appearance of Patrick Stewart, man. I am a big fan of the Marvel's 97 X-Men show. They literally have him float out in his yellow hover chair wearing the same green suit, the same blue striped tie. And to Danny Elfman, who fucking forgot he was doing the music for this, but I should have known because it's a Sam Raimi joint. But he... he stitches in the original x-men theme when he comes out and i was like made my heart sing but apparently you had a fucking problem with it i mean no i just and uh well one thing to kind of note uh since we just went through the whole illuminati uh when the film was being seen or when the film jesus christ when they were filming that scene uh 
it, Krasinski did not know who was like in the room. Like the, those actors did. Yeah, that. they were all probably in different yeah. total situations. And and it's it's just funny, like when you hear reports about that because the scene. And there's, I know, not to like obviously make it part of a critique, but didn't bother me ever. But you can see when Krasinski pops out, like the way his direction and his face is speaking, it's not in the same spot that Stranger's apparently at. And that's that's always funny. Oh, you think the eyeline's messed up? I really didn't notice that. No, like I think they said the positioning of just him when he's like talking sure. something like that. Yeah, it kind of looks like I mean, I well, guess I think it might have been Doctor Strange was like facing straight when he was too when he was no when when he said the line about the 60s. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. He was looking forward instead of off to the end when he was like fantastic. Didn't you chart in the 60s, which is really funny. Not only because the Fantastic Four was created and released in the 60s and were the like most popular comic book of that era. There's literally a band called the Fantastic Four, which was like a soul group from the 60s who did have a chart topping hit, which is really, really funny. That's a that was maybe my favorite joke of the whole movie. Was that on TikTok? No, that one I knew. Damn. <laughs> yeah, fuck uh. you. <laughs> I don't get all of my quit uh Easter eggs from TikTok, so- bro. So the next part, so obviously this is the moment where Strange is uh, talking to the Illuminati about like the threat that's coming with Wanda. And at the same time, the Illuminati is informing Strange that like we had to kill you off because of this exact same threat. So like, can we take it's 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 Dr. Strange's arrogance, one of his most like highlighted traits coming into fold again. Because even though 616 Strange that we've known for all this time has come a long, long way from when he had crushed his hands and where when he learned the mystic arts, he is still not quite able to not be the guy. Because even at the end of this movie, he is reading the Darkhold. He is falling into the same trappings as the, the Doctor Strange that literally had to get black bolted, which was amazing, by the way seeing Black Bolt get to use his powers and the fact that he whispers, I'm sorry, is like straight out of the comics. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But it's showing that like the the inherent fault of being a Stephen Strange in any universe is your arrogance that will inevitably get the best of you. He reads the Darkhold, he gets the third eye, and like now he's created, as we see in the first end credit scene, an incursion of worlds which is going to lead to nothing but trouble, but also I think the fifth Avengers level crossover movie. Yeah. And so like, I'm glad you kind of pointed out earlier about like the Illuminati. It's it. They're not good. They're not smart. They're not as smart. No, they're terrible at it. You didn't know that dude. They make terrible decisions all the time. They, they think they're doing the right thing for the world. And then they inevitably, it always backfires anytime they like use the Illuminati. Yeah. And so, that is it's not my biggest gripe but like when you're coming across stuff and they just keep adding on to it it's something that takes away from me in the film now strange is informing them about wanda and like when they uh from what i've kind of learned just through my own you know me and you might be able to help me out on this but like wanda is addressed as scarlet witch throughout a lot of just this film and like the lore that scarlet witch possesses and like Wan they're aware of like the threat she is like the immediate impact that she can bring to whatever comes her way. Not, not Wanda, but just Scarlet Witch. And so I would imagine that, uh, cause Mordo is also aware of this being a part of the sorcerer and he's now the sorcerer Supreme or whatever. He is aware of the dark hole. He's aware of the, the, you know, the turn, the, the name Scarlet Witch, and, like what it all comes from, but like the Illuminati just 
unfazed about it. They're more worried about Dr. Strange here. And that well, no. So, time- so here's where my argument's going to come from this, because in the 616, in our main story timeline, which 616, I keep saying this like it's a thing, but I think I need to explain it real quick. The Marvel 616 universe is in the comics, the main story, the main timeline where like most of the comic books are existing. Uh, they have now attributed that numerical world or to the main MCU timeline. So that is now Earth 616 or, or the multiverse or world 616. The one where we see the Illuminati in, that's 838. Mm-hmm. So in 616, Wong and Steven and, and, and Agatha do not know that... St- Wanda is the incarnate of the Scarlet Witch until the after the Westview events and leading up to this movie. That never happened in 838 because Wanda's just living happily with her kids. So there's no in that universe. There's no they don't know that the Scarlet Witch is her. They just know that she does exist as like a mythical being, but they don't know that like it's Wanda, it's the Darkhold, and they're having trouble believing this Doctor Strange because of, unfortunately, how they are now perceiving him because of his self, like his version of him in this universe. It's so like, the, that's at least how I'm putting it together. So when they bring the bring forth, like how, you know, intruder alert, intruder alert, Wanda's breaking into the place and the Illuminati go out to make, have this really cool fight scene. That, dude, I love that scene. That, the, the use of, like, the oil in the sentries is, like, blood on her face. That was quintessential Raimi. Well, that was like the best uh, like just just like graveyard style fight scene because you knew all these people. I was shocked to see them die. Um, and dude, again, the, the way Black Bolt killing, bro, removing his mouth and just the fear that you see on his face. And Black Bolt's a guy that like just doesn't use his vocal cords. He's very well disciplined well, in not does, talking. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so freaked out by his lack of mouth that he utters a noise that inevitably makes his fucking brain explode. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah. You, you basically, I mean, I don't want to, again, how is this PG 13? Spo- uh, I don't want to spoil like all the way they die. Cause it's really right. I'm not going about. to, but like, um, I really enjoyed how Raimi shot that. It definitely, you know, you know, threads that line between PG 13 and R. And I wonder if this was like one of those scenes where, not in like the cutting room floor, but just like when it's oh, I feel like there's like, more like getting pitched and whatnot. But like Remy's like, I want this scene. You can take something else away. Like I, I want this to be how it is uh, displayed across the Maybe. screen. And I just was like really ticked off about like how we're aware of like these powers that these you know superheroes possess, and yet Wanda comes in here and just, just snaps. Wanda it. is an unfathomably powerful being. It's- it's it was it was just unbelievable and yeah the thing that makes me more mad is like the the talented of the cat like the cast that they had playing these people if this they is didn't all get we any, get to see, okay yeah if this is what we get to see of them especially John Krasinski because just I again I I gotta I gotta hope and believe and pray to the Lord Kevin Feige himself they didn't even get this the is the power. plan to introduce Reed Richards and John Krasinski and give them their fantastic four. They even establish his whole family, dude, his kids. I'm there's obviously a Sue storm. So I feel like this is what we're getting. Like we're going in this direction with John Krasinski. At least I really, 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 you know, what would have been cooler. This is just like me 
hypothetically speaking, like pitching an idea, but like, what if the after credit scene for No Way Home was Doctor Strange being met, like, you need to go speak to the Illuminati, and then we get the scene where they're discussing about to him about how you broke open the, the multiverse. These are the replicas. Well, Loki apparently technically broke open the multiverse, him and Sylvie. And Kane. Yeah. Well, Kevin, yeah, Kevin Feige confirmed. Yeah. That's a really good episode. That finale. I know, dude. Well, not really. But <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> but yeah, a little bit. Was, you did give me a little a, bit on it that. It was a fun bit. scene, but like, I'm just, I, I know you don't like it when I say I like, I don't want something to like hold weight or critique, critique the overall, you know, arc of the film or whatever. But like, if this is all we're really going to get out of these actors playing those roles, like, I mean, I, I was, again, I the only person I need to see more from is John Krasinski. I, I like seeing Maria Rambo was great, but we are going to see that character maybe not powered up in Captain Marvel the next in her next movie. The Peggy Carter thing, that's a long shot. Maybe she gets her own movie down the line or her own solar project. I could definitely see her having her own like spinoff live action Disney Plus series now as Captain Carter after having her own Agent Carter show. That would be awesome. And I mean, as far as Black Bolt goes, no, I don't want to see any more inhuman shit. Just having him in this movie was good enough. Remember, when, remember for the longest time, there were reports of an, the when they Dude, first like, the, the Inhumans movie was a thing when like, they announced people, like the phase three slate and it just eventually became a terrible TV show. Vin Diesel was going to play back Black Bolt. There was that a- is true. Yes. Time. And now he's Groot. But that's such a, like, I don't want to go deep into this, but like the Inhumans are such a weird collection of of heroes like it's a weird yeah, well yeah i mean it's, they were they were kind of like the like off-brand x-men in yeah. the in the era that they were coming out it's like x-men wasn't popular anymore so they had to create some kind of other weird super powered family unit sort of thing and so they came up with the inhumans um but yeah i don't need to see him again patrick stewart we've seen plenty of him as fucking xavier it's great to see him again don't get me wrong but like, I don't need him to be the new MCU version of Charles Xavier. And if he is, if this isn't one of the variant situations and we go back to 616 and it's still Charles Xavier, I'm, I am fine with that. But there's there's more to see with all of these characters, for sure. There are op- total opportunities for all of these characters and all of these actors and actresses to get their their more time to shine in the MCU, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so this is uh, this leads to them where they're going underneath the tunnel, which that that whole shot too was really cool, and it shows that that horror level that Raimi is just you know one of the best at. Dude, I mean, there's that scene, the scene when R- Wanda is like taking on the uh, camaraderie, and after Strange has her locked in the mirror dimension, she's popping out of fucking puddles. And you see just eyeballs looking through puddles and she comes out of the gong full fucking ring style. And and in that scene, there's so many crazy Dutch angle cameras, zooms and just very again, just Sam Raimi injecting his awesome horror stylings throughout this whole movie. I mean, definitely got one of our friends going. Yeah, I mean, in this in this kind of like what's crazy is like after this scene happens, we're pretty much on the home stretch because this movie is like almost over. Because the pace just by so fast, it does. Um, it fucking it moves. It really does. This uh, so this is where basically Wanda she she achieves her objective and she captures um America and she 
pushes them in another universe, which is this is where they end up in the one where the invert the inversion takes place, if I'm not mistaken. Incursion. Incursion. Um so I already have a theory. Please go right about this as well. Um the universe we go to. So the sinister strange we see in this weird universe that's being like dis like it's disappearing right in front of your eyes. That Doctor Strange and the Doctor Strange from Earth three or eight three eight are this the doctors like basically a three eight doctor strange is used the dark hold to dream walk into the sinister doctor strange which then created the incursion that destroyed the doctor strange's universe that we see at the end of the movie they're directly connected mm-hmm. and that's why the illuminati had to do what they do because an entire universe every single person just completely dissipated and gone and dead because of the actions of Dr. Strange. Cause why else would the Illuminati like straight up kill him? Like literal murder. That's the only option. Like it's a, that was a, a, like a huge fuck up, but that's just how I thought of it. Like after watching it the three times that I've done, you seen it three. T- I thought you've only logged it twice. I thought I've no, I've logged it three times. I've watched it enough. Especially oh all the scenes enough that I've definitely seen it three times, bro. You do realize that I was gonna see it last night, and then tonight, or today, and like I just I didn't feel the urge to do it. Like, sorry. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. So he. So like what they were doing when they were in the other uh, multiverse. Like we have to find my strange in this universe, and so they go, <sighs> and he's with. That is that is you if you were Doctor Strange just by yourself and terribly sad with a long scraggly beard because the love of his life is gone. Yeah. Rich McAdams <sighs> to me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and so what's funny is like, I don't know if you remember this, but like during the trailers, they, they cut out the Christine Palmer as she's walking with them, Rich McAdams. And so it's actually kind of funny when you they see do be doing that. that. I know. Um, and it will just like before though, with the, when they first introduced, when first, Wanda comes on the screen like the whole apple farm is an illusion which was kind of funny but the uh yeah he goes and he finds the strange in this like ruined place and it was basically like he's given up trying to save the world and this is just what his universe has become now because of the um I'm gonna butcher fuck incursion inversion illusion instrument what the fuck (laughs) I can't got it incursion incursion um yeah, and so like he he tells him and like he notices that you know Christine's with him and so he's and it's a really haunting scene like it, it he dude um, like bones can, scattered everywhere and like you're seeing like buildings evaporating yeah. and it's silent and there's no one around and it's it, you want to know what it reminds me of Silent Hill do you remember that, Ooh, remember that I have game? not seen that movie. Well, video game into movies. Oh well, I have not played. You might that not video like them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just, I thought it was really, uh, in terms of the, the atmosphere, it was fucking awesome. And I wish we could have gotten more of that too. If again, if there was that, the, that extra MCU 20 minutes, because they like two twenty two thirty has been their bread and butter for like the last seven movies or something. We could have gotten that much more of all this stuff that I liked and all these stylistic choices by Sam Raimi. And, uh, it is a shame, but like, yeah, we get that some really, really creepy and haunting imagery. Like all, like I said, all the bones scattered across the ground. Like 
there were all these people at the doors of uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum being like, let us in, save us. And Doctor Strange is just watching them die from the window. Mm-hmm. That's- the, um, yeah. And then you also learn that this strange has be like he holds the dark. Yeah, he's full out. on the dark hole. He has the third eye, which is really neat. Um, and yeah, so it, it just it, it, it elevates like what comes next because like there's just really cool fight scene that I I, I really would like to see. Dude, how it came Can up. we talk about there? this? There's been a lot of visual effects in the MCU, like a lot of visual effects. These might be some of my favorite just because of how goofy well, it's Sam awesome. Ra- they made it look. It's Sam. What's Ra- up? It was Sam Raimi. Like, yeah, exactly. He, he, and he but to make that stuff fun. It was almost like Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman came together and made a perfect scene, baby. Because I gotta imagine all of those musical choices. Because if you, I saw this on a YouTube video, but like all the keys as they're coming off the keyboard are playing the tones they're supposed to play. Like there is so much thought put into it. And the way he catches the notes is by making stanza lines so that they end up on like a sheet of music. Like, and the way the music actually plays out in that scene, it's like a combination of classical and rock. And it's, it's all just like, it's a very visceral and like strong scene. And it's what uh, I think top three with, the scene and Carmartage while she's stuck in the mirror dimension and the Illuminati scene where they're dead as fuck. Yeah. So they're, they have this fight with the musical score, like the actual score of the film. It's like on a sheet and they start throwing notes at it's each amazing. other. It's really cool fight. Um, that, that, that part is really awesome. And so he defeats him by throwing him out the window and he gets impaled and they show it. Like, I'm like, where's the, like the PG 13. Dude, he gets impaled. Out. The fucking tentacle monster gets his eye ripped out of its socket. Mm. There is in what? And just because there's no red liquidy substance that's scattered around, it's not a rated R film. That's I'll never understand the MPAA. Yeah. Well, and also it's just like, I I hate to say it, but like if I had, you know, a kid at the age of 10, I probably would not see this. Dude, we've had people being like, this is not suitable for children. I'm like, ma'am, it's PG-13. I mean, he as long as they have the permission or are 13 years of older, they get to go see it. Yeah. Uh, And so like, and yeah, so like the next part though within this scene that was really cool was the candles and like how they had the room lit Mm -hmm. and him was like telling Christine, like, I need your help. Like he was actually becoming more aware of like how he needs to start involving others and like even though he knows that like yeah can't get it's not all about it's dude you're exactly correct and you're i love when you do this because that's something i was not thinking about but you're exactly right i only had to see the movie once but well (laughs) well you (laughs) you also don't do a memory loss drug every time you watch a movie so do a memory loss drug it's called six hours to sleep every night okay well (laughs) true that um but no, that is very strong because he is he is totally in admittance that he is not he can't do this alone. That's awesome. Well, and the best part, we, I mean, we didn't say it earlier, but like uh, when he first when they first meet Christine Palmer at the wedding, um, which I mean, I would never go to a wedding. Bruh, I what the brutal. Fuck? And it's <laughs> but like man, I, I, dude, I kind of understand because like they left on good terms and it was like a five year gap. So you can't just like not be friends. Have you ever seen the Little Dicky video? Uh, Little Dicky has a mu- music video with, and it's like a song with Brandon Yuri. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, oh, I think uh, 
it's but it's about him going to the wedding for the girl that he loved. And that's what I was like thinking about during this scene. You know, it'd be hilarious as if like you're you're in a relationship and the blip happens and then you're like you get ghosted and you're like, oh, man, I guess my significant other was bit the dust. And then five years pass and like people. Start and, and no, yeah, fi- no, they're, you, dude, you're they've made. On, I feel like on, they've made a joke about that before. It's like they that, I, like I want to say it. Motherfucker. Okay. But like you find out like you thought your ex was part your, your girlfriend was part of the blip but she wasn't she was just ghosting you for five years and she found a good time to come back you know how fucking hilarious that would be it would be heartbreaking but it'd be fucking hilarious i think that's they've made that joke and what though i'll let you finish your part because you let me finish mine because you were I, can't, I cannot remember it but i almost <laughs> no 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 in in one of the series or series really one of the it's it's one of the one of it's something in phase four has made a reference to like or no 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 it's oh my god it would have been probably on the spider-man right wasn't brian posein just in a move in one of the movies who or i there's a character he's like uh i thought my wife had blipped but it turns out she just ran away and got married maybe is it like oh my god yeah 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 and got remarried it's like in is it uh falcon and the winter soldier Oh, fuck. But you know what I'm talking about now. Right, we'll, They've we'll made this it. joke. We'll find it and we'll insert it in the pod at the Oh, end. no. Wait, no, we won't. This is Edgar Brett speaking, and that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> no, you know how they always put, like, those uh, proclaims. I know what you're talking about, but that is, again, <laughs> that's okay, like, I like, a, like a very I like difficult that task. But that would be, be funny. If, if, I, if I can find it, I will put it in. Okay. No, you don't have to. Um, no, I'm going to. Now you've given me a challenge, and fuck you for it. <clears throat> Did I tell you how my wife pretended to blip out? Turns out she ran off with a guy in her hiking group. We had a fake funeral for her and everything. Well, the funeral was real. Because I thought she was really dead. Do you want to see the video? Cool. Well, yeah. But to get back on track here, um, that scene was cool. And obviously, the, it gets the final climatic fight scene. And in terms of, like, the closing arc, I liked, uh, I guess, the closing act here. I liked that. I was a fan of everything and to just really Zombie range was so cool. Yes. Dude. He's like, I have, and it, it really kind of, you know, elevated the horror in a bit because you're messing with dead zombies or just and like demons and, and, and lost souls. Um, and this really goes to show you like the level that Benedict Cumberbatch brings to Dr. Strange. Like I thought it true. was really cool. True. I know, We've behind all that makeup. We've we've said it a thousand times, like Joaquin Phoenix and Ethan Hawke were one of the close actors that got the chance to do it. But I'm really glad that Cumberbatch got it. um, It's hard. He he is now he is now in the realm of it's very hard to see anyone else playing the role. Like with Robert Downey Jr.'s and your Hugh Jackman's. He's he is very Doctor Strange. He's also in the room of you're now leading the MCU. So get ready, bud. He is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Doctor Strange is very much going to be a big player going forward. I gotta imagine, especially yeah. now that Benedict Cumberbatch has openly said he's like ready to play this yeah. guy for ten years. Well, like, like and I, I mean, I, uh, I've been very much on the record of saying like I like seeing the actors outside of the MCU get the chance to do other films during their you know contracts, but it doesn't seem like Cumberbatch does that. Um, I mean, I know he had a film that came out a couple of years ago, but that was seemingly in the midst of like his own Doctor Strange films not being so close together and him doing the side work and uh, the No Way Home stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really excited. Uh, just the whole third act. And like you're saying with the, the body. 
Um, we'll get into like what Sam Ramey did uh, as a whole, like when we get to the end and all that. But I just want to like, in terms of my overall view on it to just not wrap it up entirely, but I will here just so I know, you know what it is. I felt like everything we got with Wanda from when we first are introduced to her in Age of Ultron and then watching her grow through every other Avenger film uh, and then her getting her own TV show, I thought it was just like, it was awesome. And especially seeing the way Elizabeth Olsen was able to just transform what seemed to be just like a generic that could have been done, you know, in the wrong hands easily. Um, her talent worked with it. You know, I wasn't. She could have been an ancillary side character for all we cared. She could have been. She could have disappeared after Age of Ultron, and we would have never seen her again because in that movie, the rights were still all tied up with Fox. She could have been Sharon Carter, just one off in one one film. Sharon Um, Carter is also in the show. She got Falcon. Yes, 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 yes. But I'm just saying, like her character could have been that. That no offense. I get what you're saying. But in uh, Emily Van Camp, but um, but like to see, and I wasn't the biggest fan of. Wanda Vision, but I I like Wanda. Like, there's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> I just feel like everything we've gotten with her was kind of not thrown to the curb, but just slightly, in, in you know, um, like in, in Jenga terms, where you're pulling one of the sticks out and then you're getting close to it, like all falling down, which is how it, the movie ended for her. But I was wanting um, not like her to be like, she's just given to this look of like so hellbent and evil and i just i didn't want that for her like i really didn't i mean it it kind of sucks as a character arc where like you're being on you know this guiding adventure of like everything that has bad has happened to her and you're just wanting good you're just wanting good you're wanting good and then she just doesn't get it and it's still really weird to me that like these imaginary kids that she wants and uh and then like the whole idea of like if you take him away from their mother currently like that's not that's not cool and like there's a really uh just that whole scene is really horrifying when you're not not even like looking at the landscape of a scary movie but i just i didn't like how the film played her off as like just the big overall villain which i don't view her as that like i don't think she should be like she's very powerful and like she could have taken on thanos easily but they just didn't you know for for story reason like they didn't do all that but like i i don't know and, and obviously having to share the screen with with dr strange was was neat but like it they were more so spent on going head to head with one another it would have been really cool to just kind of see um them not focus on the sequel to the show wandavision it seemed like you had to watch the show to know what's going on here and i why is that a bad thing that's the whole thing the, you, the, you, the, the MCU is built on watch everything. Kevin Feige said you do not need to watch the TV shows to understand. And I don't think you do. I don't. Are you think fucking you kidding do. me? Try watching this movie and, and wonder how the fuck does she get these kids? Yeah. All right. The yeah, last time you see her. You're with her. She's with Vision, but Vision's dead. No, the last. Yeah, no. The last time you would see her would be in Endgame during the like big final battle during the funeral where she's with Hawkeye and with then you don't have them in Hawkeye anymore. I'm just saying in, tr- in the character. And then she, Wanda, okay. it's so fucking okay. baffling how it, it just seems more juggled when it shouldn't be because she's such a strong character. Well, I, I mean, dude, I can't defend the words of Kevin Feige, but. You got to watch fucking WandaVision and I don't know about you, but I don't think that's such a difficult task. 
No, I no, definitely not. I mean, especially if you enjoy this film, like well, also like and well, I enjoyed like, WandaVision, is what I'm saying. You just if you didn't watch this film and you didn't, like that's kind of weird on your part. I mean, the, we're tra- uh, the movie made what 185 million at the box office domestically and worldwide almost 400. Like people fucking watch WandaVision. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, it, it did obviously get the Emmy nominations, but I just, I mean, it, like, uh, I'll, I mean, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I just, I, mean, you, I, you're, I could not disagree more with your take. I think everything you're saying is correct, but I love that they've went down this path of this tragic villain who we wanted to see come to good, but inevitably because of just grief and loss and tragedy is has feels like there's no other option but then going to the book of evil that eventually corrupts her mind and is why she's doing the things that she's doing and it makes it all that more relatable that she's doing it for these reasons so i mean i'm i'm all for her as a villain and think that like if you're going to keep these characters relevant you got to do something different with them. Like, where were they going to go from Endgame with Wanda? She had just lost everyone. You got to go negative. Is, are you just going to have her accept the, the 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 existence of everyone she's ever loved being dead? That sucks. She's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. Let's go do Avenger shit now. Well, because even in the comics, dude, Wanda Wanda's like a very mentally unstable character as it is. So, like, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, I, I just, the, you know, it was um, fast paced film. The story seemed very, I just, when I left, I was more so asking myself more questions, especially like, and I know you said you're going to answer well, this. That's part. why I saw it three times, Brent. But just, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I just had no, you know, eagerness to go and see it a second time, uh, knowing that it's free for me as it is free for you. But, um, it's, you know, uh, going back here, it, the fast pacedness I didn't really care for. Um, and then also just I kept having my asking myself more questions. And I w- was like, why this? Why that? Why this? And then where are we going? Like, where are we going? Here we are. This is the fifth film. And I'm still like, you know, I wanted the sequel with Mordo. I mean, I understand, like, obviously a lot of things get changed, but just like that really has me going, you know, head scratching. And then just the way it ends with Dr. Strange and the dark hold, I feel like we're just going to keep going down this where like, instead of giving you a bigger overall um, obstacle, we're just, we're, uh, we're just going to have multiple obstacles. In a and way. this is, this is what I think is incorrect. So my, th- uh, here's, here's my theory. And this will also bring us into the first end credit scene where they reveal that surprise casting that I had zero clue about. I knew Charlize Theron. How did you know? I told you, man, it got fucking spoiled. Oh, that too. So wait, what? That wasn't. I thought it was the Reed Richards one. So what was spoiled was it was scrolling through Twitter. The first thing I saw was the clip of the 30 second clip of them fighting Wanda, but there was no sound. It didn't show them dying. And I know Uh, people like that are usually I wish those people would burn in hell. Like when it was Spider, when it was no way home, it was just a picture, which you can handle a picture. Right. But like it was an actual video. Yeah. And then like. As uh, I was scrolling down, because I was like, oh, shit, already spoiled. I saw, like, oh, ca- casting confirmed. And, like, I'm seeing 
the cast of the Illuminati that I just saw. And then at the very bottom, it was Charlie's throne is clay. I'm like, no, I was like, holy shit. Is that Charlie's throne? What the fuck? And I had to do a little bit of research, but it turns out she's playing a par- a character called Clea who yeah, is from the dark dimension, which we saw in the first doctor strange movie. She is the niece of Dormammu, the villain we saw in the doctor strange, uh, 2016 movie. And she is the inevitable love interest and wife of Stephen strange. So, we're definitely going to get the love interest, but she specifically says in that scene that Dr. Strange, because of his dream walking has now caused another incursion in the comics. There's a, a big old crossover event that it has to do with an incursion or a colliding of two different universes called secret wars, where you get your six, one, six universe. And, and those characters that exist in that Marvel universe in the comics and the ultimate universe, which has characters like Miles Morales in it, but it's like a very similar, but not exactly the same universe of the Marvel characters. And this event was brought to be so that they could bring as many of these characters that existed in the different universes together to fight each other and eventually a a greater threat. I think that is exactly where the MCU is heading with phase four. We know we're getting the secret evasion show, so that's not the big overarching theme. It's got to be this one next to Infinity War. It's probably the most popular comic book run for the Marvel comics. So I think that's what we're going to get. I think we'll because of this, we could see what people have been saying with like the Fox X-Men coming around and fucking whoever you want. This will be the big event that brings as many of these people together. We'll get all of our people that we know and love from the MCU We'll maybe get like new characters from the the other universes. Like we'll see a Miles Morales side by side with a Tom Holland Spider-Man. So what I think that's what we're leading to going forward with this incursion that they're talking about in the first end credit scene. I could be very wrong. Uh, I I have cross-referenced this with a couple of other people that have the same kind of general idea. I think that's very, very likely it's where we're at, heading for the end. Like this might be the end of phase five sort of thing, that but we don't is, know. Bro, I know what we're going to go into, but like that's a far way away to have to say like that's, I mean, if, if we're going on based on, I guess, current or what we've previously established scheduling, the next Doctor Strange 2 is going to come out in 2027. 2027 eight you know six years eight maybe i I like that we do but that's the thing with all these marvel movies you never know when we're gonna see dr strange again we could see him in fucking like ant-man i i wouldn't be surprised if he's like an in credit for blade or fantastic four even dude dude if uh, well my hope now for blade is that there's an end credit scene where he fucking runs into stephen grant at the goddamn museum of london um absolutely yeah i just and like that whole in credit scene though seemed really choppy too like he's walking it felt very tacked on especially because the scene right before it is him like not being able to deal with this third eye because the 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 dark hold is like corrupting his mind and then in the very next scene after the like credits he's just like wink third eye what's up let's fucking go that kind of did feel sam raimi ish but i get it uh, it didn't, it, it kind of felt like it was a dramatic tonal shift. Yeah. Uh, to go into Sam Raimi and I, I mean, you can never say anything bad about him, but like you makes you wonder, like if you've seen his filmography, like 
did he meet with Kevin Feige and there's a book in the center of the table and they're both thinking, is this my book, the book of the dead? Or is Feige thinking like, oh, is this uh, a prop that I'm just introducing to him for the new film? Like, I feel like that was the mutual part to to the agreement here because. Well, I mean, the whole movie's about books like like ancient books of the damned. So like it, the whole movie gives me Sam Raimi, Evil Dead vibes. Well, yeah, if you let me finish, I was going to say that. But exactly like it's all evil dead. It's there's uh, the whole like dreamwalking stuff. I kept thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street, their third and fourth film. The the scene with the puddles, I felt like was very drag me to hell, too. Mm-hmm. Like there's little bits of all of his movies. Well, the, in scene, this. Uh, the, the, the part where he's like dreamwalking itself, it seems as if that was drag me to hell. But yeah, it's, yeah. Um, there's just like if you think that this isn't some of Raimi, like then you're fucking nuts. But yeah, it, it was it was fun uh, having him be a part of the MCU, especially just in the superhero world because it's been so long. Um, and and I mean, you he, can't have a Sam Raimi movie without Bruce Campbell making a funny ass cameo, and I was thoroughly enjoying it because even his little cameo gave me evil dead vibes like an evil dead 2 i'm pretty sure when his hand gets possessed and he has to cut it off and it's like literally attacking him dr strange makes this dude bruce campbell punch himself in the face uncontrollably it gave me such and he is the end end credit scene which i think marvel needs to stop with the comedic end credit scenes after the credits people are getting sick of them I I can tell you first and foremost, like crowds do not react well when there's nothing worth staying through all those credits for. So you got to you got to be flip flopping these, please give us the important one at the end. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And I mean, it was great to see Campbell. It was like one of those things where like, when's he going to pop up? When's he going to pop up? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and you get that with same Remy. I I went ahead and like I was watching. um, a couple of Sam Raimi films like leading up to this and you can just really tell like the horde, the visuals, like everything about it was really cool and stunning. And I certainly was not letting that take my personal effect on like how I liked the film or rated it. There was just stuff that I know that he can't control when it comes to doing an MCU film. Like they still have a little bit of their hands on the final material. Um, and then, but like everything that like Dr. Strange, is perfect for this like you know this horror atmosphere um so that was really fun to just get um but yeah like it's it's great to kind of see him out there uh doing this again and i kind of hope it's not his last you know like i feel like oh um, i don't think it would be dr strange 3 would be perfect for him you know like he has this character seemingly well done I mean, I don't think it would be his last. This ha- it was a pretty long time between this and like what was it? The Oz and Great and Powerful was his last movie before this. That is, was such a bad rewatch. Oh my god, it was so bad. So funny. It was so, uh, so bad. You just said Sam Raimi can do no wrong, and you're like, oh, that movie was uh, a tragedy. Like, and you haven't even seen Oz, which is I have not. I don't taint. I, I, I liked. I like the original Wizard of Oz too much to taint its legacy. It's, it's yeah. I don't want to go into that. <laughs> uh, um, so this, yeah, uh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you, dude. Sam Raimi very much did his thing throughout the entire movie. He, he brought everyone he knows from his like team of heroes, like Danny Elfman and Bruce Campbell. He gave us a movie that 
like I said up top, it's it's a, a MCU movie that not it feels like an MCU movie, but it also feels like very much its own thing. So going forward after 25, 26 now MCU films, getting that new fresh tone every time is going to be key for me. So seeing that was a very, very good sign, especially as early as we did, because, man, right off the bat, you get that Sam Raimi style and I love it. And the like, yeah, maybe some of the edits were a little quick fire and it felt a little choppy, but there were also some editing sequences like where Wanda's like preparing the spell through the dark hold of her dream walking while Mordo is like explaining what dream walking is and it's cutting back and forth and fading in and out from image like of images of Wanda. Man, I there were there were just so many stylistic choices that I could not have been happier with. So I I I love that Marvel is continuing this legacy of finding very creative minds and very stylistic directors and giving them this platform to make these movies inside this greater universe with characters that I absolutely love. Oh, I mean, definitely. Like I know I asked you what were some of the directors that Marvel has been able to kind of bring forth. Uh, I mean, you don't have to be like top five, but just like, so no, I mean, I, I made notes. I have like, I think I have like five. Because the two obvious ones are obviously James Gunn, who took his style and took characters that no one gave a fuck about and a tree and made them one of the biggest properties of all time in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm not going to sit here and waste your guys's time while I uh, just completely gush over Taika Waititi again, because we all know that I love his shit incessantly. But I think of without those two the, the the directors that i think insert their style and brought the most to their unique projects was chloe zhao uh, i do believe she was stifled a lot but her style and the way she shoots her landscapes and her her colors and all of that is present throughout the eternals and that's one of the my favorite parts of that movie kenneth brana when he created the world of thor the style and the way that Asgard looks and the tone of like the culture and how they've mixed it into the real life world. I feel like that really did set a great tone for the character of Thor to then go forward and evolve into what we have now. So I, I do think that was, he was a great choice at the beginning to do that more Shakespearean version of Thor. Uh, And then lastly, I would say it's Joe's Johnston and the way he made a Captain America movie that felt like an Indiana Jones movie, like a, a perfect uh, recreation of it, like an adventure serial from the 40s and take a character that is like very kitschy and could easily have been too dorky or, or outlandish to work, really work. And Captain America going forward was one of my all time, just like always one of my favorite characters. So he started that and his style compared to like how Captain America shows up in all the other movies is so much more unique. And that's why I love that. I mean, yeah, I know it's like a kind of a cliche list of uh, directors to kind of bring forward, but like, I mean, I, if you didn't say Kenneth Barnett, I certainly would because he definitely brings that, Oh, how fucking dare you? You were making me, you were making faces like I was saying something weird. He, uh, 
he brings that Shakespeare to what they were trying exactly. to get out of it. And I think that was uh, important. And like that Thor is not the one that did bad. Um, but yeah, it's funny because the, <laughs> I, I joke about Thor the Dark World, but he directed a bunch of really good TV shows. Um, oh, Alan Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like just the ones that you didn't mention, but like Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, obviously. And then, I don't know that I feel his style as much, well, especially I, comparatively with like Creed and Fruitvale Station. Like he it doesn't like, well, maybe it. Well, well, well now was, I'm rethinking it. Well, I think I, was, I, I definitely do see it. Well, well yeah, because he's telling the culture. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's directing you into, you okay. know, I'm, I'm very much on board. And, and then, um, but like, I just kind of want to, and I agree with you with, with James Gunn and Taika. Um, I know, whatever. Uh, definitely not John Watts. I know we would have the front of the pot. He would probably burn. No, I think John, I, John Watts would have been an honorable mention for me, man. He did what he set out to do in making a coming of age Spider-Man movie in the first one. And then he made and him himself and his directing style has grown throughout his three films. And I don't know, his style isn't the most prevalent, but I think if we see him do new projects going forward, now that he's not working on Fantastic Four, I think his style from Spider-Man will shine through in those even more. I think I think he's also, learned a lot in his like uh, excellence into this position he was in. Yeah, it's, it's also just kind of weird, though, to, to wrap up that. It's just like they do kind of focus more on getting like those independent directors like the directors that have smaller background and they right we're talking about the bigger ones but you have like destin cretton who did shang chi and katie Bo- or uh shortland who did black widow i just don't know enough about their filmographies to actually see their styles permeating through these movies so that's just hard in it like or so i mean like those could very well also be on this list i just don't know Exactly. Yeah. No. And I just, I mean, that's one thing that I would say they kind of done really good at though, is finding those directors. Cause then they can mm-hmm. get them, kind of get them early. Cause even with James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, like not many, like they couldn't have gotten many people to direct it. And, and I know we were just how close we were talking about directors in MCU and Edgar Wright Ant-Man film, like how close we were to that and how neat that would have been simply well Peyton Reed definitely has a style and it's a comedic style but it wouldn't need it's not nearly as prevalent and as unique as Edgar Wright's iconic style Mm -hmm. and so that's always going to be a what if big time yeah I mean I'm I'm looking forward to just uh, with the upcoming films they they have that they're looking to get directors for um i know we might have done this on another episode but do you have your list ready like what now that we have another mcu movie i'm pretty sure we did this with spider-man what are your like new like have have any of your list changed like what are your most anticipated mcu films going out uh i mean i guess i mean i definitely have it on me because i knew we would be talking about this one but um i know i kind of uh have the same thing with you about love Thor, Thor love and thunder. I think that movie is just going to be yes. a, just a triumph on so many levels. And I, like, I know I speak ill a little about Dr. Strange too, but like not creating anticipation, but it'd be really shocked that like Thor love and thunder doesn't make more money than Dr. Strange too. Like, I think it just, I, it's so a better hard. release date slot and so it's, much gar- it's, you're getting guardians of the galaxy characters 
and Thor is one of the main three. So like, yeah, I just, I can't imagine I, this isn't going to go gangbusters on the box office. I would, I would I'm just predicting plus 200 plus million opening weekend for sure. Yeah. I, I would go with that one. And then Guardians of the Galaxy volume three, I would have this high because it seems like this might be a closing point between uh, obviously James Gunn, but also my, some of these characters might be their last chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very uncertain what comes next with them. Um, so I would have that one up there and it's, you just know you can't really do the guardians without James Gunn in some form. Uh, and I know we'll have to we are, they almost did, but there is like, yeah, we fucked that one up. We're, we're going to almost have, we'll have a Christmas special that comes out this year. That's will feel real nice. I can't wait to go with it. Um, and then this is just always going to be, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just do the three, but this is always going to be in my top, whatever. But I mean, blade, man, I can't, fuck yeah. the, I can't. Speak yeah. Blades. Top. My four guardians is my three fantastic four is in the two slot. And then obviously Thor love and thunder can't fucking wait for that movie, dude. And, and maybe like when the time gets to it, but like, I know Deadpool three announced Sean Levy as the director, but I just don't know what to expect with that film. I, I, it's going to be so hard. Once I, once we start seeing the marketing material though, if they have the same like plan and team as they did for 20th century Fox, that's and they can establish the tone of what we're going to get through the marketing. I'm going to, then, then I'll be able to make my decision. But for right now, it's a little bit lower down on the list, but I have like Ant man on the wasp at five and then Deadpool. Black Panther, Captain America, and then the Marvels. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's all we know about so far. Yeah. And then I, I know uh, I'm still like, I don't understand Black Panther 2 c- coming out in November because it's been very secret. I can't, I can't figure out what the fuck they're going to do as far as a story. Yeah. They've been very, very secret about it, which they've tooth and nail about it the entire time. Mm hmm. Um, so we will see the cast for that is returning. Um, so it'll be interesting, except to for an obvious omittance, which is like that is creating the biggest question marks of any film that we're about to see in the Marvel franchise. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, we haven't talked about it on the pod yet, but like they did announce a couple, I think maybe just like a month ago, or a couple weeks ago, that they swapped the release dates between Ant-Man 3 and Captain Marvel 2. So I mean, three comes out February of next year. So that would be the third film that's due up. And then Captain Marvel comes out after Guardians in May and then Captain Marvel in July. So like, yeah, you're on point with like, we might be getting three. I wouldn't be surprised if they throw out one more at the end of next year, but it just, I don't know. Yeah, Captain America four with like Sam Wilson is still very much a thing that they are talking about doing. So that could be in there. Uh, my whole thing with the the shift, though, I got to imagine that they're ready to they're just more ready to introduce Kang earlier than later to set up what they're going to go set up for like going forward. Because like in the secret worst idea that I have, Kang is the big overarching threat that the both universes need to come together to defeat. So you think because I would imagine that She-Hulk is coming out later this year, possibly yeah. a fall release date. I wonder hopefully if, I thought hopefully late summer before the fall possibly yeah like after the Obi-Wan series do you think and if it was confirmed whoops but, but Secret Invasion premiering on Disney like that could be a January release and then like the final episode could lead us into Ant-Man 3 possibly or is it going to be something that might premiere after Ant-Man 3 
That's so MM3 is November it's, now? It's, it's, February, it's February 2023. It's like the Valentine's Day week or something like that. And if She-Hulk is... Huh. If She-Hulk is going to be... Because you might have... Late, if She-Hulk is late summer and they do Secret Invasion over the holidays... I think What If would be over the holidays. Oh, that's right. What If Season 2. You're right. And, you're, and then your holiday special, which is not... A, it's not like a six-week up. It's just one night. Oh, it's just, and it's... But they're still going to want to, like, keep its release separated from any other projects. So, you're... Yeah, no. I think we'll probably end up seeing Secret Invasion after... We see Kang in, which would be cool. Ant Man and the Wasp, which would be neat. Yeah, um, a lot. And who can't? I can't fucking look, wait for more Paul Rudd. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot to look forward to. I hope, um, you know, uh, <laughs> to uh, to quote a friend of ours. Um, I got uh, to quote a friend of ours. My name's Chase, and I have terrible actually, movie opinions. <laughs> actually, this one's not Chase though, um, but. Jack, he watched Doctor Strange two tonight. Oh man, I, do I want to hear this? Well, I mean, there's no I, way he liked it. Well, him and I, are, I guess you could say on the same page, but not to like fully put my words into his thoughts. But um, he just like really uh sent an interesting text that I thought was interesting, and just like the amount with us being right now in phase four and just that level of like fatigue hitting in, and there have just been so many characters introduced. Um, I'm seeing like he just quickly like off the bat was naming 31 plus all the internals, all the Illuminati. You're hitting at f- almost 40 right, th- 45 right there. And then if this phase is going to introduce X Men and Fantastic Four, we're about to, to get maybe 60 to 70 heroes, and these are not your original ones. Like it's it, these are just in- newly introduced in a way. Like it's going to be outrageous to see how they're able to just. Uh, not saying you know just pull the the car back on the road away like i feel like we soon and i think i think the structural issues of phase four are going to solely come because of the pandemic but i think now that we're like almost out of it and we can kind of like find a semblance of normalcy may they they're going to kevin feige already has the next 10 years of the marvel universe mapped out and in Feige, I trust. I, I will. I I honestly want to get in Feige, I trust, like tattooed on my body somewhere. You know, because I I know this man has the story and the mapping and the the end goal ready to go, and hopefully he can just get it all structured together. Yes, this last f- couple of movies were messy. Yeah, they're throwing a lot at us now, but I think that's also just them not babying us anymore. We did the end game saga that was 40 characters introduced over 23 movies or whatever all coming together in one epic moment and they're trying to do that again so they can find that same success you got to start shoving the more characters in and they're taking characters they're not like making up characters they're giving the people what they want the characters from the comics they've wanted to see inside these universes for all this time it's the marvel comic books man there's gonna be thousands of characters we can pull from and i can't i want them to keep doing that so i mean i'm i i totally disagree with jack on that one well i mean it, it's just it's been a lot for something that we don't know for, so and, and it's very, i can understand why it's a lot for non-comic book fans man do you well 
uh how would you rank the five films that we have in this phase so far and that could be um i would so spider-man so spider-man doctor strange shang chi eternals black widow sounds about right no black widow eternals black widow eternals eternals even after a rewatch i think definitely could have used a little bit of more time put into it especially when it comes to the storytelling of it all so this is actually hilarious um so i have same so i have no way home the film that apparently i i don't like but i know that i do is dr trains 2 uh black widow eternals and shang chi really no i i think shang chi as a character was incredibly likable and 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 i think that's what puts it over for me the, the whole the whole Black Widow movie. I understand why I know why you love the Black Widow movie because that is total espionage spy thriller. You it felt very James well, Bond. That least, is totally that. At least someone understands when I say that what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, it, just for me, I got a I, the kung fu aspect of it all amazing, and um, that's why Shang Chi definitely like edges it out. But the first, top two are like solid locks. Yeah, and I think uh, I need to go back and rewatch Black Black Widow Internals, but they. Um, I wonder if just think about it now, the runtime might be hurting Eternals. That yeah, also true. The story the story wasn't very strong, and it is very long movie still, and that's never a good thing. Because I remember the um, the timelines they sway a lot in that in that one. Right, they keep they do a lot more. They are also doing a whole lot of jumping back and forth. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time to be a part of because I know even before we got um, before the movie even came out, like reviews for Doctor Strange two were kind of like in this the middle ground. Um, well, but- I feel like the critical reviews were a lot more skewing to positive, and it was really the, it was the the general audience and the fan reviews that got a lot more split, which was incredibly surprising to me. Uh, there are a lot of people that like strongly dislike this movie. And I'm like, dude, just sit down and think about it for a second. And also like, you're just, are you, do you want another fucking cookie cutter Marvel movie? Cause if you keep complaining, that's what they're going to keep giving you. Well, yeah. And how, uh, just with the level of horror that we got in this one, that's why I'm excited about blade. I think that's what I took the most out of oh, it. Oh man. Knowing how dark we can get. We still need to figure, do we know who's directing that yet? Uh, yeah, what I have popped up here is I know Nia DaCosta, who did Candyman, is doing the Marvels, which I'm still yes. actually very excited to see. They're getting someone. I think it was like Ann Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Like, who are even they? They were the co-directors of the first Captain Marvel's movie. They got someone who is incredible, like has a style and a tone with Nia DaCosta. We also you had me watch her first movie with Tessa Thompson, which was actually fantastic. So I'm very excited for that. But like, who is Blade directed by? The director for Blade is Basim Tarek. And I remember, so he doesn't really have much of filmography. Uh, he directed a film uh, really? years, directed a film a couple years ago with Rizamad that got really strong reviews. And I think that's what um, led him into this. But I remember um, the directors that did the latest Bad Boys, uh, Bad Boys for Life, they met with Marvel and I don't know if it was for a TV show or if it was for um, a movie, but apparently uh, to butcher their names, but I'm going to do it bestly. Uh, Adele El Aubrey and Bala Fala, they 
they met with Marvel. I remember reading an article about it and they could have left love with creative differences, but they, that was around the time where like um, Blade was like heavily being, and the thing with Blade is it's only Mahershala Ali right now in the cast. So like I have my eye. I know they got to cast the Chris Christopherson role, not Chris Christopherson, Jesus Christ. Hey, they can it, no, but who is, who is the old guy? Whistler or whatever. Yeah, it was Chris Christopherson. I thought Chris Christopherson was a country singer. He, he, yeah, he does that too. He was, I think, shut he, up. He did, he did one of the stars points. <laughs> like how I said, one of the stars born. The, the stars born cinematic universe. <laughs> Bro, that's like a multiversal thing. What if we had a crossover with like Barbara Streisand and Lady Gaga and Bradley, uh, Judy, what Julie Garland? She's dead. Yeah. But no, that, that's funny how you you're learning that. But yeah, uh, I dude, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cast. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep into. It. I'm gonna cast blood. I'm gonna fan cast blood. Fuck this whole. I know. We'll we'll, we'll leave it in if it's a good enough casting. Cool. I'll leave it in. But if not, we can cut this out. Oh oh, put me on the spot. Oh geez. Well, oh, like, what about Christoph Waltz as Whistler? Oh dude, thousand percent. Um, that would be a really good, like, different tone for it, too. Who, who was there? Was a guy that we talked about who's that, the Shia LaBeouf role because Dylan O'Brien? What did you wait? What oh. Logan Lerman? Oh, I see what you're doing there. He uh, could be the Shia LaBeouf role, but dude, the um, what I'm trying to figure out though, and I know you said you can cut this out, but like, the um, wait, am I thinking of Constantine? You're thinking of Constantine, yeah. I am thinking of Constantine. Uh, no, Shia LaBeouf's in Blade. No, he's not. He's not. Brian Reynolds is in Blade 3. Who's in the first Blade, though? It's Steven that chick. Dorf. Who's the chick in the movie? Steven Dorf. Um, you don't. She, uh, Nabush, right? Nabush. No, I meant like in the Marvel Universe. But I guess, honestly, they probably oh, wouldn't. Rachel Wise? No, 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 no. I'm saying who would play the love interest in the Blade movie in the Marvel Universe? Ooh. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, Give me like a minute to, to pound this out. That's um, so bad, but hold on. This is bonus footage for you folks. This is going to take me like three days well, like, to edit. I, I, I remember. Okay, I got an idea for one. But like, I remember um, we thought of like casting the villain Dracula. I can't remember it, but like right off the bat of my head, Timothy Oliphant, I think, would be fucking awesome in a Blade film going to go against Mahershala Ali. What if Nick Cage played Dracula? He is. I know. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I didn't know if we were, uh, if we were like on the same joke. No, I know. Let's see here. Hold on. Because like the thing with Marvel, what they like to do is I like, obviously like to get, you know, up and coming actresses and whatnot to kind of like, um, be in those in those films oh oh wait no she's already i forgot she was in in that one i try to get one that i've been kind of um uh tiffany haddish (laughs) jesus um so you know that i like watching tv and so what if it was like a rebecca hall she was an iron man regina hall fucking hell i'm gonna do that forever (laughs) okay that's funny no but like so i've been watching you know like i watch i watch a lot of tv but um and you don't but danielle deadweiler uh she was in station 11 that i loved very much last year and she was in she played cuffy in heart of they fall 
uh, the one with Jonathan Majors, but that's what I think you would recognize her in. But I think uh, she's definitely like one of those talented actresses that I'm keeping my eyes on, and that's usually how Marvel snaps their their actresses and actors into these. I films. would, I think, I would also very much want to see like maybe a Zazie Beats if they don't bring Domino back over with the Deadpool's as. She could, I, I would, dude, her is like a vampire queen. Fucking sign me up. Well, what about uh, Carrie Washington? Um, she hasn't been a part of Marvel. Oh, no, Carrie Washington with Marshall Ali, I kind of like a lot. That's probably my favorite. Uh, has Naomi, Naomi Harris, has she been in a Marvel movie yet? Just I don't think bring so. Back, bring back the team from Swan Song and Moonlight. They have unbelievable chemistry. There you go. There uh, you go. I can't think of her being in anything. No, she's. I just remember she was in James Bond. Like that's what she she plays. But she'd be yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, kind of really lost train of thought there. But um, but I mean, I think was- we just needed like cap it at that, dude. The MCU is fucking awesome. We're. You say fatigue is kicking in, but we're still excited to cast every movie and like we're gonna well, still see all the, this shit. Fatigue because what we've gotten so far has been a little lower than what we're what we're wanting. Like, I mean, well, I wouldn't call that fatigue. I would just call that just like disappointment, like a, yeah. a, a, an air of disappointment across these last couple of films well, just because they're not meeting have- the same quality as like your end games. Like we went, we were so high. And like, there's like, you can't keep going all the time. There's going to be ebbs and flows. Like no way home was back up there with the end games for me. So like for every one of those and one of the end games, we have to get a couple of like, like lower films, like, or, or black widow, then that's what you got to do. But like, I'm still under the impression and this is my might be blind fandom, but I don't think I think Marvel and the MCU have not made a bad film yet. Have you seen Thor too? I have, and I don't think it's a bad movie. I think there are quite a few issues, um, but it's still fantastic character you know, work. That film had to fail to get your Ragnarok, so you should be very I, exactly. Yeah. If there wasn't a Thor: The Dark World, there would never have been Thor Ragnarok, and I love it for that. I wonder, so I'm just saying in terms of like fatigue where we got, we've at this point have had five films in less than a year between um, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, No Way Home, and now Dr. Strange 2. Whereas before this, we were- yeah, That is a lot. Between, it is a lot. One year between Infinity War, well, we had, yeah, it was one year between Infinity War, Endgame, and then it was- um, I mean, it felt like they, it started oh. with like two movies a year and then three movies a year and then four movies a year. I wonder, and I know that's not what we did skip a year with 2020. Like there were no releases of any Marvel content in 2020. So like they are playing catch up. Yeah. But well, you know, the next one, I know for a fact, uh, I won't be disappointed. And I know, dude, I can't wait for Miss Marvel either. (laughs) Fuck. You got me. Yeah. That, uh, that will wrap us up on the, uh, an expensive MCU conversation here, folks. We, when we get going, we get going. When we talk about like what is, in my opinion, the best and my favorite all-time movie franchise. Oh, is is, is film, that- film, TV, media franchise? I, the MCU is the number one for me. 
If you know me, you already know that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Brent, what do you what do you got as far as a recommendation for us this week? Uh, so I know we won't be talking like much about it, but I know we have a uh, our friend and um, Blaine is going to probably do more of a centric episode with Sam Raimi. So I at least want to like talk about one of the films that I watched during my rewatch of his. And cause like I have this inability of controlling myself when like a film comes out and I need to watch releases based around like that actor or that director. I, I just, I always have to constantly. I mean, I do that too, but yeah, sometimes you it's, go like way hard. I, yeah. You did I, all 25 know. of the James Bond movies, my friend. That was a I, slog. I watched all of Sopranos before the Sopranos movie. Like I need help, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I I like doing that, too. It's always great to be prepared and like be reintroduced to the prior like media that like of like source material of anything. But like, yeah, when you're going that deep every time a new thing comes out, that's pretty crazy. There's probably a multiverse out there where it's me and I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, so like I. Uh, I remember growing up like this was one of those films that my parents never let me watch and I was like well why is that and I rewatched it for the first time in a long time but a simple plan uh Sam Raimi directed this back in 98 it has Bill Paxton Bridget Fonda and Billy Bob Thornton and it's it's about you know the um, Paxton and Bill, Billy Bob Thornton play brothers and they find a plane along with like a third friend they find a plane with four million dollars in, it. and it's basically just a film about like honest people and the paranoia that creeps in on what to do with the money. And when people come looking for it, like where you go about that. And this film just really reminds me of like the Coen brothers and that in between of Fargo and no country of old men. And it's like right in the middle of it. And I think Sam Raimi brings out the true horror of uh, where like, you're not getting jump scares, but you're just getting to see how evil this can turn good people and i just i really like that like he takes the the good nature out of them and just punctures it and you just get to watch the air blow out and deflates everything and it's it's a very uh surprising film it got nominated for best screenplay and billy bob thornton best um supporting actor so it's really uh recommendation good recommendation for me it's not streaming anywhere which is fucking mind-blowing but it's out there (laughs) and i think that's why my parents didn't want me to watch it was because of how dark that that thought is you know i feel like this is going to be a thing as as we do go along doing this podcast because now i cannot remember if i've recommended this movie before already but fuck it i'm doing it anyways yeah just a few days ago i watched the prince of egypt and once and just last night i watched the prince of egypt because the more I think about this movie and the more I watch videos about like the subtle intricate details and incredible filmmaking that is responsible for bringing us this film, I am kind of infatuated by it right now. It's creeping its way up my favorite DreamWorks movie list. And I think it's a powerful, powerful movie with an incredible amount of gorgeous animation and I I think it's high key, one of the most underrated animated films of all time with some of the best music, some of the best animation, maybe not some of the funniest jokes, but some of the most powerful and tragic character work of any animated movie, Disney included. So I would like to just give that fantastic movie a shout out for for and, me and, and my people. 
And not to be confused with the Prince of Persia, just for that. No, 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 no. The Prince of Egypt. Dude, looking at this voice cast, man, that's fucking not. It's an, oh my God, it's a a bonkers ass cast list. You got Val Kilmer, Ray Fiennes, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jeff Goldblum, Sandra Bullock. I mean, like I, uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, like literally so many people and they all di- every single one of them disappears into their character. You do not really get distracted by the people. Well, maybe besides the Martin Short and Steve Martin characters, but like the rest of them are really transformative performances. Ray Fiennes has come out and said that he didn't think the animation would be up to the level enough to portray how emotional and how deeply conflicted like Ramesses as a character was going to be. And he was said he was blown away by what they were able to put onto screen. And I was blown away when I watched it the other day and I was blown away when I watched it last night. So that is my recommendation. Groovy. Um, there's really not much coming out next week. So we're going to have to get creative with what we bring, bring to the table. So stay yeah, tuned. Totally. It'll be, have to be a surprise. Cause even I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Yeah. That'll be fun. Maybe we will learn how to break in a multiverse for real and see what happens there. Our own inversion. Maybe we'll do a multiversal episode where I'm the one that lives in Florida. Let's not go there. (laughs) All right. But yeah, that's going to be it for today or for this episode, folks. You have a great rest of your evening. Bye bye.